I still think that we we are favored, and and I, you know, as I'm probably biased when I say this, but yeah, I think we're going to win. It's but it's going to be a, it's going to be a lot closer. Well, 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 it is Ryder Cup week, ladies and gents. Very exciting. Solheim Cup week as well. It's currently underway at Finca Cortesin. Not a great start from the Euros as we record. It is 11.13 on Friday the 22nd of September. And yeah, let's just say things could be going better on the three-peat front. But nonetheless, we will crack on. We have Ryder Cup to discuss. That's why you're here. That is the title of the episode. So welcome to this very special edition of the Bunkered Podcast. The number one golf media podcast in the UK. And by some distance, thank you very much. Brought to you by Callaway Golf. Hello, Michael McEwen here as always. I am buzzing. I'm not going to lie. If that's if you can hear a sort of hiss, oh. if you can hear a hiss, it's the buzz that is coming off me and going through the microphone into your ears because well, I'm going to Rome on Monday, ladies and gentlemen, me and Bunkered Associate Editor Alex Perry. We are heading there, aren't we, Mr. Perry? We absolutely are. How do I how do I add to that? We, just, we are going to Rome. We're going to the Ryder Cup. Buzzing. And it just feels like so long since France, doesn't it? It feels yes. like a million years ago. I know we've had the, <laughs> the pandemic, but that was just a million years ago in my mind. So, that was a very yeah. long time ago. I think there's a bit more buzz about this because... Paris, yeah, it was great, but also kind of wasn't really Paris. It was a, quite a ways away from the centre of Paris. And you've got all the landmarks and so on. And that's great, but there's more buzz about the fact that this is historic. Rome's the scene of so many great battles. You've got the Colosseum, you've got all the other things. <laughs> <laughs> None of which you the, can the, name. The pizza. <laughs> pizza, pasta, <laughs> Stadio Olimpico. Lazio. <laughs> I'll be better versed in Rome yeah, a week on Monday. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> we are going to Rome, pizza, pasta and Lazio. Brilliant. <laughs> that is the voice of Bunkered Editor Bryce Ritchie, who is not going, not to, going Rome, to Rome, sadly. And I don't want to go to Rome because I've been and I thought it was crap, so I don't want to go. So. We've discussed this before in the pod, haven't you? You didn't have a great experience of the Italian no, capital, did you? We mentioned that before. We left... Then we arrived on the Sunday night and I went to the. I was at the airport on the Wednesday evening trying to come home. You were meant to be there for how long? A week. So you managed three days. Yeah, I was like, get me out of here. So we did. We left and we went. I actually think I looked at a map the other day to find out where you plebs were staying. And we are, I think we drove like four hours south just to get the hell out of Rome. <laughs> and I had a great time. When you weren't in Rome? Yeah, we weren't in Rome. But I, I have no interest in going. Sometimes you go to a city and you think, this is going to be great. And it it's not great. But that was a a bad experience. So I'm prepared to go back. But not next week. But not next week. Give Alex and I an idea of what we should try to avoid then. Because Rome. listen, there's... <laughs> the centre. <laughs> listen, the, it, the, there's nothing There's nothing I can say that will paint it in a, in a nice picture. Col- <laughs> My God. The Coliseum was great. Roundabout it mm-hmm. is... The restaurants were crap. We couldn't find anywhere what? decent to go. Genuinely could not find any. And I've spoken to someone else who said exactly the same thing. Now, I consider myself a foodie. I know you. no one wants to... Oh, he's a foodie. There's, he's a wanker. <laughs> yeah, I am. And I couldn't find anywhere And you're a eat. foodie too. Yeah, I went to the Vatican. <laughs> You'll not want to go there. But the Vatican was amazing. Like, genuinely mind-blowing. Absolutely brilliant. How far is that from the centre of Rome? Oh, it's right, in it? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, it's just like, you know, 
15 minute walk somewhere and then you're at the Vatican. It's, it's mad. It is really interesting. After that, it's kind of crap. Oh. Genuinely. Well, that's what you wanted to hear, Alex, isn't but it? But you're not going to see any of that. Well, don't know. No, you're not. You're there to hear. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you're not going to a Lazio game either. Well, unless it's at night, you can go at night. But during the day, get yourself in that press centre. You're not poncing about the Coliseum and... You've got to give people the full picture of what it's like. <laughs> no, it's not a tourist. This isn't a tourist sauce. This is <laughs> this is covering a bloody golf tournament. I think we. I think we should do the the podcast from the Coliseum. Yeah. That's, that's just got to happen, hasn't it? Like it's, yeah. that's that's where Gladiator was based, wasn't it? The Ridley Scott movie. The, Are you not entertained? <laughs> that's called. That's the Coliseum, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus, yes, Michael. Right. That's what I struggle with my historic... <laughs> no, you as, don't. As we've just demonstrated, it was like Coliseum and pizza. Yeah, no, you'll like it. It's 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 good. If, if you'll you get like the it, chance, the man who hates if, it. If you, if you get the chance, but you've got less class, if you get the chance <laughs> to go in and wander about, I'm sure you'll have a good time. But I did not want to spend a week there. I like capital cities. I like, I like, I love Copenhagen, Stockholm, been to Madrid, Paris. Rome's the, the London's link. London's yeah. brilliant. <laughs> Winners. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's get let's get going, shall we? Because this there's lots to discuss. The Italian tourist board are never gonna partner with us ever, are they? Well, if they're they going to do it, it would have been the last issue of the Ryder Cup preview. Yeah. They didn't, so that's their fault. Ciao, lads. <laughs> or whatever that means. Arriva Dirci. Honestly, I know two words of Italian, Arrivederci and Ciao, and that is Bellissimo. I'm sure that's yeah. another word as well. But why, are you, why are you doing it in an English accent? Like, what? <laughs> that's a good point, Bellissimo! Yeah. More to belly. Oh, that's not it. I can't remember. Stories abroad. Stock golf. The, the poor Italians, they're going to love me. Anyway, right, before we get to the Ryder Cup, let's talk about something that is way more important, much bigger, frankly. A massive deal, and tickets are even harder to come by. That is the Bunkered Podcast Live, taking place now in under two weeks. Less than two weeks to go. We need to come up with some ideas for things to talk about, guys. October the 5th, Thursday night at Drygate in Glasgow, right next to the, the Tenants Brewery. It's been presented by our very good friends at Eden Mill, and we are massively excited about it. If you're a regular listener, you've probably got your tickets. You've certainly heard us talk about it. If this is your first time tuning in, this is the first time that we are going to take the podcast into a live environment. And it's absolutely terrifying because anything could happen, yeah, quite it'll frankly. Be, it'll be fine. Honestly, it'll be fine. We are going to give away something pretty cool on the night. We're not going to mm. tell you what that is right now. But it's find awesome. Out, find out next week. But you can only get that if you buy a ticket. And what we can tell you is that Eden Mill, our presenting partner, are going to give you a welcome drink when you turn up. Brilliant. What? Yeah. And if you don't want a welcome drink, just buy sit down. Buy an orange juice at the bar, <laughs> just sit down. Can we get some of that welcome drink action? Yes, we can. We need to Excellent. figure out how we're going to get home, but we'll figure that out later. Taxis. Taxis. Yeah, absolutely fine. That or that. Or, what, what does Mariah Carey do when she comes to town? Like, where does she stay? Big deals stay in big places, do they not? <laughs> Maybe not. Listen, go to bunker.co.uk forward slash podcast live for more great chat like that. Tickets are only £10, so please do come along. They are very close to selling out, so if you don't get them now, you're going to miss out. It's the first, and who knows, maybe the last time that we'll ever do it, so get involved. Right then, gentlemen, Ryder Cup preview time. Initial thoughts, Bryce. How excited are you for this match? Alex has just said there that 
it feels like an eternity since we last had a match on this side of the Atlantic. For me, even the most recent one in 2021, the battering, the walloping at Wisconsin. The walloping like, in Wisconsin. Even that feels like a while ago. Yeah. How excited are you for this one? I'm excited, but the build-up next week's going to be an eternity as well, because Ryder Cup build-up is the longest build-up in the history of sport. Well seen, they're going to the Eternal City then. Uh, nice link. Yep. Yep. And it's it's very, 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 very long, the build-up to the Ryder Cup. <laughs> and nothing really much is said. So um, we can go into Rome and do so some sightseeing then. Yeah, Excellent. Potentially, noted. yeah. So there's effectively four days of constant preview material, which gets quite tiresome on mm-hmm. a Thursday morning. But no, I think it's... I think, um, was it Alex said yesterday that he didn't think it was a uh, a particularly heavy build-up at the moment? And that's probably that true key. because of uh, because of the Sawhine Cup's probably happening. Mm-hmm. But come Monday, Tuesday, we'll all be in Ryder Cup mode. and I think it'll be pretty exciting. I'm excited. I think it's going to be good. And I do, I do have a bit of a fear. Fear? Yeah, a wee bit. For Europe? Yeah, a wee bit. Okay. Okay, we'll elaborate. But we on can that go into in that in a bit. Uh, Alex, your your thoughts then? So, like Bryce said, you, you did mention that you felt like the build up has been a a little bit more low key than usual. Care to elaborate for the listeners? Well, first of all, Bryce is absolutely right there. It's uh, that I, I think people forget, and uh, I think we are included in this. That it's actually a three day event that starts on Friday. So by the time you get to Friday morning, you're a bit. I mean, we go to the Open, we go to the Masters, we go to these tournaments. And you get there and you've got a couple of days of build up and it's all really good. You're smashing out as much content as you possibly can. And then you go to the Ryder Cup and you're there for essentially a week before it starts. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just sort of thinking, is this tournament ever going to be played? Mm-hmm. Like we, I've, I've written so much this week. I've created so much content and not a single shot has been hit. Like how does that, uh, it has been a bit low key. Maybe the, the Solheim Cup is a factor. I think it's a bit of a getting older thing, you know. I don't know about you guys, but when I was a kid, all I thought about was the next big thing in my life. And I've noticed yeah, yeah. this recently with my own children. So my daughter has recently had her birthday. And for the last, I want to say 150 days, she has gone downstairs. And before she's had her breakfast has gone, Alexa, how many days until September 17? <laughs> and that's what she does. And now she's had her birthday and now Thomas is doing it and his birthday is in March. So he's oh, going, great. how, so that's, it feels like that kind of like childlike mind of just being absolutely buzzing for the next thing. But when you get to our age and, and obviously back then it wasn't just birthdays, it was Christmas or in sporting terms, it was FA cup finals or world cup finals, or of course the Ryder cup, the open in terms of golf. But now we just have so much going on in our lives, whether it's yeah. family or work or whatever. These things tend to just spring up on you really quickly. And and people always say to me, especially women, they always say, why do you never want to celebrate your birthday? And it's like, because I don't think about it until I literally wake up on my birthday morning. Because yeah, I've just got so I, much going on in my life. I, I agree with that. I think the world is a noisier place now. And if you think about what's happening at the moment, the Champions League's back, Europa League's back for some other teams. Yeah, winning um, Europe's not for everybody. <laughs> rugby, it. shut it. Rug, the Rugby World Cup's yeah, on. True. Sawheim Cup's on. There's a lot going on, you know. If you love sport, then Ryder Cup isn't the sole focus this month, yeah, is it? Yeah, there's a lot going on. So, uh, But next week it'll, it'll be on its own 
and uh, we'll all be we'll all be buzzing for it. Not that we're not buzzing for it now, but it's just maybe not as noisy as it used to be like 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, agree. I had a proper I had a proper sort of was brought down to earth a little bit last week. I played football on a five side football on a Monday night with my pals. And I said, oh, lads, I won't be here next week. Someone else will have to organise it because, of course, I'm the organiser. And uh, I said, they said, oh, why are you going to Italy? And I said, oh, it's Ryder Cup. And then one lad who is like mad into sport was just like, what's that? Oh, no. And I was like, yes. oh, okay. I was like, it's only the greatest tournament Unfriend, huh? in any in any sport. And then two other lads went, well, it's not really, is it? Because <sighs> I don't think anyone here could tell you even who plays in the Ryder Cup, let alone. And I was just like, oh, I'm going home, lads. See That's later. brutal. See the guy that said, what's that? I hope you went full Roy Keane and treated him like he was Alfred de Haaland. <laughs> I would put my mortgage on it that he plays cricket. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Cricket. We mentioned the Solheim Cup, obviously taking place this week. Back-to-back weeks, we've got Solheim Ryder Cup. That hasn't happened before. It's probably not going to happen again. At least that's not the intention. The next Solheim Cup is next year to get them back onto gear about, if you like that, that cadence. But Stacey Lewis, the US captain, said earlier this week that she thinks there's been a real opportunity missed, a massive opportunity, she called it, to keep them back to back. Bryce, do you agree with that, disagree with that? No, I'll be honest, I'm very surprised by those comments. She said that she tried to, she didn't elaborate that much, but she tried to work on something with a little bit with the guys, which I'd assume would be the, the US Ryder Cup team, and couldn't get it, couldn't get it done. So I don't, I don't really see what she's she's trying to gain from that. The the Solheim Cup to me stands on its own two hundred percent. I I got up this morning early to watch the the first tee stuff and turn the music off for a start. But <laughs> it's it's a cracking event. It's got its own tension. It's got its own drama. The players are into it. The crowd are into it. Again, you don't need the music. Please turn it off. But the crowd's into it. They are into that. It's a it's got that big feel event. The Solheim Cups become. A huge thing for women's golf, and it doesn't need to align itself with the Ryder Cup. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's. I, I was trying to think of this last night. What was the US Open? Was it Pinehurst where they played them back to back? Yes. Yep. That wasn't actually that long ago. It was about six, 14, I think it was. Was it maybe eight years ago? Something so if it's like that? Pinehurst, Timer won it that year. So yeah, 14, I think. Yeah, so they played. Was it they played the ladies first and then the men's? Or was it, I, I, I think it was the ladies first and then the men's. And I remember. Some of the LPGA players were on the practice putting green, and Ricky Fowler turned up, and he was having a putt. And they, I remember somebody saying, one of the, the the female golfers said that was pretty cool to be mixing with male golfers at a major championship week. And they said that was a pretty cool experience. Can we do more of that? The logistics of golf is that it it's just not possible. You've got a golf course that needs not necessarily protected, but you know. Having two absolutely huge tournaments in consecutive weeks is a big ask. That's why they've not done it that much for the USG, never did it. But the initial concept I thought worked, but not with the Sawheim Cup and the Ryder Cup. Do it with the US Open or something like that. That's fine. That's a USG event. But the Sawheim Cup and the Ryder Cup, I just don't. I don't see it. Nah, nah, me neither. I think that the Solheim Cup has its own identity now. I think people like Stacey Lewis have been a big part in helping create that yeah. identity. So let it be its own thing. It doesn't need to be tethered to the Ryder Cup because, frankly, that, to me, only exposes the gulf between the two events, that the Ryder Cup gets all this exposure. Look, we're talking about it right now whilst the Solheim's taking place. I know we did our Solheim preview last week. The point stands that the Ryder Cup just gets so much more attention. There are bigger crowds, frankly, 
the Solheim Cup, I think, suffers by its comparison to the Ryder Cup. There's a lot of similarities that you just cannot ignore, you shouldn't ignore, but let them be their own things. That's that's what I'm at with. Anyway, look, Alex, I want to ask you, what are you most looking forward to next week when we get to Rome? Like, Tuesday morning, so we're flying there on, on Monday. Tuesday morning, where is the first place that you intend to go after the media centre? Coliseum. <laughs> yeah, Coliseum. Lazio. Um, that's where f- tonight. <laughs> Some pasta. The first, well, we I will certainly be eating um, <laughs> as soon as I get there. That's a, I don't know. First of all, what's the deal when you go to these places? Because I get a bit panicky when I go abroad because I don't know sort of restaurant times and things like that. I've been I've been caught out before where I've been in like Madrid or Paris or wherever, and I've gone to a restaurant and it's just been closed, and I'm yeah. like, what? It's six o'clock. Why are you closed? Yeah. And Madrid, they <laughs> so go for it, dinner at ten o'clock at night. Yeah fiestas or siestas or whatever they call it dinner i don't think they have that in italy as much so to return to the point once you've had your breakfast (laughs) (laughs) yeah once you've had your it's not croissants what do they eat in italy pasta for breakfast pepperoni your panettone Panettone, that's dessert okay so once you're fed and watered alex (laughs) uh same same as i do every single tournament straight to the first tee uh, to just sort of soak it all in that's when you sort of know at the open it's more I know the first tee experience at the open is fantastic on that Thursday morning when you show up at 6am and the, the atmosphere and the mist in the air and the tension in the air and it's lovely isn't it but when I go to the open the first thing I do straight into the 18th grandstand it's obviously just incredible atmosphere even when you're in there on your own uh, I love that sort of late evening just sitting in a in a stand completely alone no it, it feels like there's no one within a mile of you uh, i think that tuesday morning straight into that first, obviously at the the rider cup is the first tee that's the, the atmosphere builder so straight in there see what it feels like into the merch tent as well i always love going and seeing what crap they're selling with the with the logo on it and and then buying that crap and then and getting back it. and staring at my credit card statement going why the fuck have i done that i'm never gonna wear that i've got, st- I've got euros st- on a hoodie i'm looking at stuff here at, from the masters and the open literally looking at it right now i don't think i've ever put it on and it probably cost me a combined 500 quid why why do we do that yeah. do you know what this I can't believe I'm about to say this, right? Here we go. Do you remember Wales? Remember yes. going to the merch tent in mm-hmm. Wales? So Wales was funny well, because... I don't remember the merch tent. I remember bits of Wales, yeah. Yeah, we went into Wales and I, I remember thinking back to that Ryder Cup. That Ryder Cup was pretty good, but mm-hmm. you compare the merch tent that they had in Glen Eagles and, and uh, Paris and so on, and it's very different. Do you remember what I bought in Wales? I bought a white belt. No, you did not. <laughs> I did. I I, for, I actually forgot to tell you this, and I threw it away. I put, no, you know, at Christmas, after Christmas, like a week after Christmas, everyone clears out their house and throws all the crap away. Yeah. I threw away my white belt. It had, it was like a, it wasn't a leather one, it was like a... Sort of fabric one? Yeah, fabric mm-hmm. one, and it had the gold Ryder Cup all the way around it. It was horrific. Oh, I actually do remember I think it was about, yeah. I think it was about £18, and I, I never wore it. I just, I took it and I, I, it's one of those things you get all excited about what you buy and you think, why yeah. am I buying that? Why am I buying Just buy it anyway. Merch. It's like What's the, it's the like word merch Augusta, just does you. Augusta, they put, they could put a Augusta logo on it. I, I need that. Yeah. 
a, a bottle opener. I need fourteen pound bottle. I need to have that in my house. Whenever I open a beer, I'm going to open it with a master's bottle opener, and I want everyone that comes to my house to see that I have a master's bottle opener. Exactly. And I bought a white belt. It's the best and easiest way to flex is merch, isn't it? Yes. I had to stop myself at Augusta this year when I saw a master's chopping board. This beautiful oh, need it. walnut <laughs> chopping board with the logo just a slightly different colour on it. Uh-huh. I thought, Michael, that's that's ninety dollars. You don't need that. Was it really? Yeah. So I bought a walnut wall clock <laughs> instead. It's hanging in the study that no one ever gets to see. Yeah, the best example it. at Augusta is the gnome, isn't it? You see yes. from I one of them. especially for us, where we are in the media centre at Augusta, you walk down the hill, you go past the shop to the first tee, and you see and the car park is the other side of the media centre. So people are flooding in. And then as you're walking down to the first tee, people are flooding back out to put this stuff in yeah. their cars yeah, yeah. because they don't want to carry it around all day. It's astonishing. Uh, the, the, when you come in my house, the first thing you'll see on the left-hand side on the on the bookshelf thing is, is the gnome. It looks like Shane Lowry's old caddy. It does. It does. It's absolutely. <laughs> Spitting brilliant. image. Brilliant. And uh, it just sits there. I've never even taken it upstairs in the house. It's been there for years. It just yeah. sits on the bookshelf. It's never gone anywhere. I actually do agree with you, Alex, about going to the, the stand and getting some alone time, if you like. I don't think any of you guys know this, but every Open I've been to for the last 13 years, at least since camera phones have been a thing, so probably my first Blackberry, that's... <laughs> first Blackberry. Honestly, 13 Blackberry. years. I've, yeah, oh my, oh my word, Blackberries were the thing. No, they're not. So I, at the end of every Open, go to the 18th, when everyone's gone, all the copies filed, and it's just you, it's getting dark, sometimes it's pissing down, but I just go and stand in there for about five, ten minutes, I like to take a wee selfie, that's my own thing, I don't tend to share it on social media, but what I have now is this collection of all these photos of me at Opens, Alone on the Sunday night, with Alone, no yeah. <laughs> it's just me with the green in the background, yeah. and it's this lovely little, if I was to stitch them together and create it's, a gif, it's, it's just me getting older. It's immensely sad, but I quite like it. <laughs> it's a bit like, you know, in, uh, in Saving Private Ryan, when you see him, Matt Damon changes to the old man, he just gets progressively older mm. over that shot. That's me if I stitch those photos together. But no, it's it's, it's funny, the, the things that, that golf makes you do. Bryce, you, you, you do love the weird and wonderful Ryder Cup traditions. I'm thinking of like army vets showing up to give pep talks, like, yeah, go to I, war! I, 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 <laughs> do it for the country! I have tried to find out what Zach Johnson's going to bring to the table. <laughs> next week and I've, I can't find it I don't know what he's got to get the trips literally the, <laughs> the trips, trips going but yes. they are you know no disrespect to the uh, our American our American audience love our American audience but it is kind of weird we've said this with a lot of U- European journalists is that they they sort of delve into the army kind of war vet thing and I remember was it Lawrence Donegan really highly respected golf journalist and I always thought what well, kudos to you for asking that question and that was in Wales you know he asked Corey Paven about you know what why the obsession with like war why were you bringing a guy who's like uh it was Lieutenant Dan Rooney or something yeah, like that and, the, and I know the guy's a good golfer or something yeah. like that I get all that but why do you need somebody from the war to come in and I remember sitting in my seat thinking that's a brilliant question mm-hmm. and he couldn't and he, he, he could tell Paven with thought I don't understand why he doesn't 
exactly diff- yeah. different cultures totally you know? it's the embodiment of patriotism and who is a bigger patriot than a man or woman that lays their bodies yeah, down but that's the, the difference in the country. cultures we don't do we don't do that in this we're getting very deep now but we don't do that in this country we don't show respect to i know i'm not saying they shouldn't do that but they don't show respect to our our war vets and people that fight for the country and so on. Certainly not in the same way. Not in the same way. You know, they have flags everywhere. The way they G up their players is just very different to how we do it. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, I I will be looking forward to that. I'll also be looking forward to the open ceremony. I actually didn't see much of the Solheim Cup opening ceremony, but I heard it was pretty bad. (laughs) Did the ladies team not come out like wearing kimonos or something? Like, Like, looked like they were wearing dressing gowns apparently. So I'll be interested to see... The opening ceremony is always a very strange, strange yeah. occasion, isn't yeah. it? You can tell everybody's uncomfortable with it. 2008, it was a cringe fest. Faldo's speech was unbelievably bad. I remember Hal Sutton's speech where he forgot how many kids he had. Unbelievably bad. There's just so many... Oh my word, so many... <laughs> Quirks. Yeah, cringe moments. And I'm Catherine expecting Jenkins more. Ours. Catherine Jenkins arse. A wonderful, a wonderful arse, to be fair. But her voice is slightly better. Easy there, father said. It was just, <laughs> there's Tiger, the, the camera just mm. zoning in in Tiger. He's desperately the circumstances thinking, as well. The timing Circumstances, the timing. Don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look. Just fantastic. Yeah. Brilliant. That is what we like. The wife's coming in, being showcased off like pieces of meat. It's just superb. What was 20, 2018 was David Ginola, wasn't it? It was. It was. This year, I can't remember who it is, but I know that the, the musical act that they've got performing, why? Why is there a musical act performing, by the because way? Because that's what we need. Because it's uh, meant to be a show for the fans because there's bugger all happening all day, so then they get two hours to sit so and dance to music. So then they bring in, wait for it, Tom Grennan. Amazing. Yeah, not great. I was going to say, why can't they get Luciano Pavarotti? But... There's a reason and why they can't the, get Luciano Pavarotti <laughs> now, unfortunately. <laughs> and then there's the Jack Nicholas, Tony Jacklin oh. fake Q and A to the. Uh, uh, just why? Whose idea was it to do this? Awful. And then it, the, it's you, Tony. And then somebody from the PGA stands up. Hello, welcome to the seventy fifth or some whatever it is. Just it's just it's great. I, I think, love it. I think you should live tweet from your own account oh, well, don't worry. all about the opening ceremony oh, well don't worry that would be no, immense I, I can't sorry this isn't exclusive to golf remember this is something that happens in every sport I mean you look at the World Cup opening ceremony you look at the Rugby World Cup opening ceremony it's all just a massive cringe fest I don't know yeah. why these marketing bods think that we need it mm. all that happens is we watch it and we go this is fucking awful. And then we all just want the tournament remember, to start. So. Do you remember the opening ceremony of the Commonwealth Games in, in Glasgow? Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. Remember, it was all going quite well. And then John Barrowman turns up. I <laughs> think it was all going quite well. You know, they had like people dancing and a wee bit of Glasgow and it looked fine. You think, oh, this is actually, this, you know what? This isn't shit. Bang, John Barrowman come turns up. You think, and it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> why 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 is he on the stage who said at glasgow city council where was involved said you know what this is going really well we'll get him dancing on a bus we'll bring some of them get the, like the, the subway in because it's the worst world's worst subway and then you know what we need let's get john barman in good idea 
Is that the guy that pretends not to be Scottish? Yes, yes. Him. Him. Do you think he could put on a Scottish accent? Well, it's his real accent, so yeah, I'd like to think yeah. he can. Brilliant, <laughs> get him in. Some opening ceremonies are better than others. London 2012, I thought, was phenomenal. Um, yeah, very it's good. very drawn out, but exceptionally well done. And I suppose the good thing about the Ryder Cup one is it doesn't last that long. And finally, you get down to the, the nitty gritty. Yeah, that's because it does actually last that long. They just don't broadcast it because good Sky point. are well aware. The Sky, even Sky know, you know, it's going to be a bit shit. Let's go to the studio. <laughs> <laughs> right. So opening ceremony's over. Match begins. So let's talk about both teams. I am delighted to say that we've got a couple of little exclusive wee chats for each team, kicking off with the 2014 European Ryder Cup winning captain, Paul McGinley. I caught up with Paul at a Sky Sports Media Day at Sunningdale Heath earlier this week. By the way, Sunningdale Heath, amazing Sunningdale place. Heath. Brilliant. Not at all like Lo- you think. Lovely. Yeah, stunning, lovely, isn't it? Beautiful houses oh, no, all around I, but, it. Believe me, I, I'm expecting it to oh, be amazing. But it's beautiful houses all around it, but it's not, you know... Well, it's not an account estate, well, is it? It's, it's well, a stockbroker belt, isn't it? But it's, it's Stockbroker like, belt. But Everyone's it's, you, loaded. You don't walk in and go, oh, hello, how, how many cars do you have? Is, is that your Fiat in the car park? Move it, there's a Maserati coming in. You know, it's, it's, it's a really nice place. Totally not what I was expecting. And caught up with Paul there for a little chat about how things are going to unfold. It's only 10 minutes, and I think you're going to love it. Okay, Paul McGinley, thank you very much for your time. Always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Michael. Hello we will again. Completely disregard football, if that's okay, because I know you want uh-huh. to talk about West Ham's. You're going to disregard it, not me. <laughs> no, let's let's jump straight to Ryder Cup. It is obviously right upon us. Marco Simone, Golf and Country Club in Rome. First time the match has been played in Italy. Give me your thoughts as to how things are shaping up at the moment, particularly from a European perspective. Are you feeling confident about our prospects? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think everybody should be, certainly from where we were two years ago to where we were, excuse me, a year ago to where we are even four months ago. Uh, it's This team is is is, is coming along nicely. Um, you know, our top players are playing well. We've three of the top four players in the world. We'd 14 player, seven players finishing the top 14 in the, in the FedEx in America. Um, you know, our top players over there. Uh, and we've just had, um, you know, something similar in 7 out of 10 in the in, in the PGA this week, BMW PGA at Wentworth. So throw in the excitement of young Aberg coming along and, and you know, this is a, a nicely bubbling team that's in transition, obviously, um, but it's got a nice bit of form behind them. Um, but we're under no illusions how tough it's going to be, though. America have never been stronger. Yeah, that's the thing. You, you mentioned, you think that, like, even just a few months ago, there was a little bit of, I'm not sure if panic's the right word, or fear, or certainly concern that we were going through this transition, to use your word, and people just weren't quite sure what we were going to end up with. But I don't know about you, but I think the 12 that we've got is a really strong team that complements each other pretty well. Good mix of experience and inexperience and certainly form. I think so. That's how I would see it. Um, you know, you know, a team is made up of a lot of different dynamics and, um, you know, form is an important one. Uh, experience is a big one, although we don't have a huge amount. You know, we've, I think this is the youngest ever European team or the average age of just over 30. Um, and, uh, you know, but the injection of youth is very exciting. Um, you know, Ludwig Eberg looks something really, really special. I know he had a bad day 
in the last round on Wentworth. But, you know, up to that and how he performed uh, was simply sensational. And how he's hit the ground running as a pro was simply sensational. Um, you know, not even since, you know, looking at the world rankings, first year that John Ram was a, you know, and he was a really exciting amateur. He played 11 events and finished about 140th in the world rankings at the end of that year. And that was a really good start as a pro. You know, this guy is down around 60 or 70 already. <laughs> and he's played half of that number of tournaments that John Ram did. So that puts it in perspective, you know, how quickly this guy has hit the ground running. Um, and, you know, when, when there's somebody young coming into a team, you know, whether it be a football team, whether it be a golf team, um, whatever it may be, you know, there's an injection of excitement, not just from the other players in the team, uh, but from the public as well. And I think he's going to bring a, a really good energy and vibe around the team because, uh, you know, it was, it's, it's like a soccer team unearthing an unbelievable talent. You know that runs like Kylian Mbappe down the down the, down the wing and <laughs> and uh, you know finishes like Harry Kane at two months before you know a World Cup or before you know a Champions League final and, and that's incredibly exciting. It certainly is. When did you first hear about Ludwig Eberg? Because I'll be honest, I hadn't heard of him before this year, and maybe because I don't follow the US college scene that closely, but he's come out of nowhere. It feels like. Yeah, um, I, I've been um, kind of I, I guess a sounding board for Luke over the last. Uh, 18 months or so since he's been captain and what uh i went to the to the hero cup over in january um as just in a, an advisory role uh, myself and all went um he had all his backroom team there um including eduardo molinari um and they'd flagged me uh then about this guy Aberg. i didn't pay a huge amount of attention to it but they were just talking about the talent coming through on the pga uh, on the ncaa scene the amateur scene in america um and so, so they were watching him, his statistics as an amateur and what he was performing as an amateur. And he was, you know, absolutely sensational in college, uh, player of the year on two occasions out of the four that he was there. And, um, uh, you know, so I don't think anybody expected him to hit the ground running like he did. Uh, they got him an invite to play in Dubai shortly after the Hero Cup uh, to see what he'd got. And at one stage after 36 holes or just after, he was leading the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, so they thought, OK, yeah, this guy is able to transfer things. Um, from from amateur into pro, and then he played a few tournaments in the PGA Tour, and, and Luke played with him in one of those, and was really really impressed. So now he's becoming more and more on the radar. And then, <laughs> you know, Luke, uh, you know, said to him, you know, you got to come over and play some tournaments on the DP World Tour, and uh, you know, we're looking at you as a possible pick, but you're going to have to perform in these events, and you know, top five in both, including a win. And here we are. <laughs> it's extraordinary, isn't it? So. And I think people are genuinely quite excited about him. And I think it's given this Ryder Cup a bit more, I don't know, energy. Is, is that fair to say? The yeah. fact that this guy's appeared, he's been pro for five minutes and he's on the team. There's a real energy and excitement, I think, largely because of him. Uh, yeah, you're a big Rangers fan. It's like going to the Rangers and, and watching a young guy coming through from the academy at 17 years of age and being put in the first team and just mm. absolutely nailing it in the first few matches and exciting. And you can see that he's a different league. Uh, and, you know, imagine how excited the crowd would be with unearthing that young kid coming through. And that's that's what we've, um, you know, that's what we've got here in Europe. This guy does look something special, but... You know, we've got to be careful now. Me, you know, the elder statesman and Luke and his team, we've got to be careful we temper the expectation of it. You know, you look at even what Pep Guardiola does at Man City and how, you know, a young player of the talent of Phil Foden, how that's been nurtured. 
and how he takes him out of the spotlight a lot. Yeah. You know, Alex Ferguson was a master at that. You know, how he brought Ryan Giggs along and how he brought Ronaldo along and David Beckham and all those, Paul Scholes and, and those talents. He didn't just throw them in and that was it forever. You know, they were in and out initially mm-hmm. uh, as they kind of got integrated into it. So, you know, we we, we don't have the luxury of having a, a big window uh, to do that. But uh, certainly I got to be responsible in my role here in the media as much as I'm a European fan. I've got to be, I want to give the, the pundits an, an insight uh, on Sky Sports. I've got to be also aware of not heaping too much pressure on his shoulders, not just in the Ryder Cup context, but in, in his career context. Because mm-hmm. uh, we've seen a lot of guys hit the front in professional sport at very early ages and women. Uh, and then uh, fade very quickly. And, and sometimes the expectation and the burden becomes too much. Yeah, a 17-year-old coming through at Ibrox, wouldn't that be a thought, eh? <laughs> but tell me a little bit about Luke, because I think, you know, a lot of people, and I know a lot of people at DP World Tour have compared him and his style of captaincy to you and yours. What's he been like? Of What are your observations been in terms of how Luke's been as a captain? I think considered is a word that comes to mind. He's not rash. He doesn't make rash decisions. He likes to gather a lot of information um, from different people. He won't tell you what he thinks or agree with what you say, but he says, how do you read this or how do you see that? He'll say, okay, that's interesting, thank you, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's fine, that's what he should be doing. Um, so, so he considers a, a lot of different angles and um, then goes and, and makes his own decisions. That's what you want. I think there's a lot of experience in the backroom team. Eduardo Manari in particular has done a brilliant job with the stats. I've been privy to, uh, to seeing some of those and seeing the evolution of those and how simple they are to track and follow. Um, and uh, so he's very important. And then Thomas Bjorn is there too. Uh, Anna Lazabal, you know, with the wealth of experience that they have. So uh, all in all, he's got a good group of people around him. And um, he's not afraid to go outside the box and, and ask other people for opinions. And um, that's not a bad thing. Absolutely. And you mentioned the American team, exceptionally strong, obviously coming in off the back of a, a huge win last time out, but different circumstances now where we're at home for a start. How much of a of a, an impact does home advantage make, particularly given the Americans haven't won in Europe since, what, 1993? Ah, home advantage is huge, certainly um, for us in Europe, because our fans are very vocal. Um, and, you know, the American team, you know, did not perform anywhere near their abilities at all in uh, in France. Uh, part of that was the golf course. Um, part of that was how good we played. Um, but a large part of it was out of the comfort zone mm-hmm. and, you know, the screaming and yelling and shouting uh, against them. So the crowd is very important. I think the Marco Simone golf course is one that we've obviously played a number of Italian Opens on. A lot of our players know it. We had all 12 players down there um, last week uh, getting a practice round around it. Now, I've never heard of that before. I've never heard of all 12 Ryder Cup players gathering uh, and traveling to the venue for a practice round before the Ryder Cup, uh, certainly from a European context. And uh, that can only be a win-win for Luke. Absolutely. And finally, commentating for Sky Sports next week for the Ryder Cup. You've also been there as captain. Is it better to be sitting behind the microphone and no. not in the team room? No, no, no. Believe me not. <laughs> Believe me not. I would uh, I would trade everything I have for uh, a few more abilities to be in that team room. And as a player in particular, you know, the captaincy is great and I loved every moment of it. But there's nothing beating the high of, of being a player and being right in the front line and the responsibility of being a player and particularly playing at home in front of your, uh, your home crowd and, and, and the energy that they give you. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Paul. Time is against us, so we need to wrap there. Thanks for your time. And remember, everyone, the Ryder Cup is live exclusively on Sky Sports from 29th of September to 1st of October. Paul, thank you very much. Thank you, Michael. Here's hoping we win it, hey? Yeah, fingers crossed. Thank you. 
yeah, thank you very much to Paul. Always a pleasure to catch up with them. Never, never seems to miss an opportunity to have a dig about Rangers. Quite right. Every time I see Paul McGinley, <laughs> He's a very tends clever to man. Be, it tends to be just after an old firm game, yeah. which invariably ends in a particular outcome. Of course. And I always seem to see him, so never misses that opportunity, does he? But lots of great stuff there. So thank you to, to Paul for his time. He spoke a bit there about Luke Donald. He's obviously very excited about Luke, thinks he's going to be a great captain. Alex, your thoughts on Donald's captaincy so far? What do you think he's going to bring next week in particular that's going to to elevate the team's chances? I think Luke brings a very cool, calm head, and that's what I like about him. He, I, I have been impressed with what he's been up to in, in recent months. He could have been put out by being the second choice. So yeah, <laughs> I was going to say something horrible then, but uh, I think I'll just stick with second choice. But he's what he's done really well is he's built a really good team around him. And it looks like they're going to go hard on the money ball line with you know, Eduardo Molinari. Who knew he was like a massive stats nerd? Like absolutely fantastic, <laughs> isn't it? So it'll be really interesting to see how that pans out uh, I think ultimately it could end up with Eduardo getting the top job, by the way. A little bit of a mm-hmm. tangent Very there. possible. But Very possible. If, especially, if it, especially if it goes well. Mm-hmm. He he impressed me a lot during the captain's picks. I think he, A, he made the right choices. And B, when he was has been grilled about it since, he has held himself very well. I'm really excited to see Lucas the captain, actually. I think that sometimes... He, we had Paul McGinley just there. Like when Paul McGinley was was made captain, it was a bit underwhelming in that sense that he's not a savvy Ballesteros in the way of his character and his persona. And I think Luke comes in that same regard as Paul McGinley. And if he performs as well as Paul McGinley did in fourteen, we haven't got any problems, have we? Underestimate at your peril. And I know Bryce, you're you're a big fan of Luke Donald, aren't you? I think he's brilliant, and I, I think he'll I think he'll have a good week. I think he will have had a good week regardless of the result. And I know that sounds pretty crazy. But to be honest, I'll judge him on the first few days of how he goes through the world's longest preview. Because I remember watching Harrington go into Paris and I thought Harrington was fine. And then on the Friday morning... Wisconsin, sorry. Sorry, Wisconsin. uh, Not Paris, sorry. On the Friday morning, he looked... Very different. Spooked, I thought. Spooked. Didn't handle it well. Overwhelmed by the occasion, yeah. which is incredible for a guy that's been there so many times. He genuinely struggled to do interviews, and then he actually stopped speaking. And he, he did less press than I think most captains mm-hmm. have done before, which I think says a lot. And don't tell me players don't feed off that. They absolutely do. And I think Luke Donald will be quite confident, well-spoken, he's an intelligent guy, he's one of the best English golfers to come out of his generation. Guy's world number one, he's been there and done it. The only thing he's not done is win a major championship, but he has got the respect of everyone there. And Alex makes a very good point, he could have spat the dummy out, and he didn't, and he knows what's at stake. I think he'll really, you'll really see what he's like on the Friday afternoon, mm-hmm. because if things go pear-shaped, it's his job to fix, and he has to stand there and, and solve those problems. He has to stand and make decisions for afternoon pairings, and that's where, that is where you earn your captaincy. Do you think if, if Europe get absolutely humped like they did last time, do you think that tarnishes his reputation in any way, shape or form? No, not at all. Has, has, has Harrington's reputation been tarnished by that? Beating, I think by the scale Clarks. of the beating, you can you can lose, and uh, you know it's 
it's how you lose that defines your captaincy, yeah, isn't put, it? You know, it, I mean, it's it's not like I'm trying to think of a, a losing captain that we've had recently because there's just been so many wins. But yeah, certainly the the, the, <laughs> the, the, the Harrington. <laughs> yeah, the, the circumstances of let's say Corey Pavin's reputation hasn't been that badly impacted. He's still thought of, I think, first and foremost as a major champion, not so much for what he did in the Ryder Cup. But that's because they only lost by a very, what was it, 14 and a half, 13 and a half. So they then compare Harrington, 19-9, a record walloping. I think it's maybe had some impact, but ultimately the three majors, I think, still count the most. Yeah, but you made a great yeah. point about the fact that the only thing Luke doesn't have is a major Frankly, I don't care about that in the sense of what that means for him being a Ryder Cup captain yeah. and getting the job uh -huh. because Paul McGinley wasn't, Thomas yeah. Bjorn wasn't, yeah. Faldo won six, losing captain. But where it becomes relevant to Luke Donald is whether or not he wins because that is then the thing he can hang his hat on and say, I finished my career, I rubber stamped it with this. The Ryder Cup win in 2010 as a captain is Monty's major. Mm -hmm. Had he not won it, yeah. my God. It doesn't bear yeah. thinking about. So yeah. it's how you lose, I think, that will define whether or not it has a a, a, a lasting impact on either Johnson or, or Luke Donald. We'll do what we did with the Solheim Cup preview for those of you that listened. So we'll talk about some of the, the players in the team, but rather than go through them all individually, let, let's look at the, the player that the other team should fear the most. So we're sticking with Europe for now. Bryce, who in the European team do you think, if you had to single out one guy, and Alex, I'll come to you with this as well, is the single biggest fear factor for the Americans? Well, I, this is, seems a probably, might, I know you'll probably pick people who are maybe not the big names, but I'm going to go with Hovland. Okay. Hovland is, you know, FedEx Cup, you know, the guy went banked $32 million this year. He's playing the golf of his life. He arguably should have won a major championship. He's in form. He's young. And I think he's he's very hungry. He's got a great attitude. And I don't think Victor Hovland would be looking at any of those Americans with any scar tissue whatsoever. He'll be thinking, bring it on. Whereas Rory, Rory will know who he's playing against. And there's maybe a wee bit of scar tissue for, for Rory. I know we're talking about John Ram. I, I, I think John Ram's had a good year. I do not think John Ram's had a phenomenal year. And that's amazing considering what he's done. Mm -hmm. But he can play better than that. I just don't know what kind of John Ram we're going to get. But Hovland, if I was the Americans, I wouldn't want to be playing him. Hovland for Bryce. Alex, do you agree with that or somebody else? Yeah, well, Bryce mentioned him there, John Ram. I think that it, it absolutely 100% depends on which John Ram shows up. We saw in 2018, uh, I think you can sort of let him get away with that because it was his debut. And yeah. yeah, he was perhaps a bit overwhelmed by the occasion, which we were all surprised about. I mean, we all... We talked about this guy as an absolute 100% bona fide uh, Ryder Cup legend in the making when he was coming out, you know, bursting out onto the scene to use that horrible cliche. He, so he was very wobbly in 2018, but he, you know, in whistling straights, he really showed what he could do. He was the guy rallying the troops. Obviously, he had that wonderful win against Tiger in the singles, but let's face it, it's the Tiger Woods and the Ryder Cup. I think any one of us three could beat him in the singles. <laughs> yeah, true. But, <laughs> And then he went to Whistling Straits. He was the guy that rallied the troops. He was the guy that was fighting. And I've said this about other players, but it will be interesting to see how he does without Sergio Garcia mm -hmm. by his side. He has been the biggest cheerleader for 
the live guys, uh, especially Sergio, to be involved in the Ryder Cup and still be allowed to be able to play in it or be captain. And I think there's a little bit of, well, hang on, that was my that was the guy holding my hand through my first two Ryder Cups. Like I I need him to be there. So it'd be really interesting to see how he does that. I know this is your next question, but I've actually got Victor Hovland as my guy who's flying under the radar a little bit. But I, I can't disagree at all with what Bryce is saying there. But I think it's just because Hovland, not necessarily flying under the radar, but he's just, and Bryce sort of said it there at the start, he is someone that we haven't really been talking about in terms of the Ryder Cup. We've been focusing so much on perhaps the captain's picks or yeah. the big stars, but we forget that this guy has been in the top three, four, five in the world for the last two years. And he's still only really three or four years into his professional career. Mm -hmm. And he's got his debut out of the way. Him and John Rahm were the only two to go five sessions in the last Ryder Cup. He delivered a a point courtesy of two halves. So uh, he's a very different player now. We say that about Matt Fitzpatrick last week, didn't we? But he's he's won five times, I want to say, since Mm -hmm. Whistling Straits, including that FedEx Cup win that Bryce just said, and most importantly, sorted out his short game. Bryce, would you agree with that? Do you think Hovland is flying under the radar, or do you see somebody else sort of occupying that I think he's flying flying under the radar over here because he did all his his juice in America, Mm. and he's maybe not played as much over here, so I, I get all that. But I'll counter Alex. I do think it's kind of hard to see you flying under the radar when you win the FedEx and you get thirty-two million in the bank. But it's because he's <laughs> maybe not a DP. It's almost like I don't consider him a DP world player. Totally, because he's yeah, he's yeah, a PGA Tour guy, and that's probably where Alex is coming from. Finished fifth at Wentworth just a couple yeah. of weeks ago, and he makes some good points. Like his last Ryder Cup, he was he was young, he, he was kind of new on the scene. To be honest, this sounds ridiculous to say this, but. So was Scotty Scheffler. Yeah. Scotty Scheffler's first Ryder Cup was not the greatest. Well, for him personally. Those two players come into this Ryder Cup completely different players. And that's why I think if I was an American, I would not. I would rather play Rory than than play Hovland. I would agree with that. I think a a little bit of it is to do with Hovland's, this is terrible, but his demeanour and his physique. He's diminutive in stature, so is Rory, but he's not barrel-chested like a John Ram. He, he doesn't have any obvious threat, and his demeanour's so happy and chirpy that he doesn't yeah, look like are, a guy that's going to yeah, cut yeah. you down. Yeah, the aura is maybe slightly different. Aura yeah. is probably the word, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that leaves us with the player who has got the biggest point to prove, and that could be any number of them, Bryce, could it not? <laughs> <laughs> you are a wee bastard. <laughs> You can't resist, can you? You just know. Because Michael and I, for those that don't know, those who are, who are listening to this, now, Michael and I had a good 25 minute debate in the office yesterday about <laughs> Ludwig Ubu. Michael's chip, Michael's loves this guy. And I'm not saying I don't love him, but he's he decided a, to try and argue a different point, which was basically. No, 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 where no. You, no. You, you, you moved the goalposts. Ah, I see. Right. And put headers in the paragraphs, so it doesn't work like that. So he, I, I do think he has got, he has got a lot to prove. I know he's a winner. I get all that. But he, there was one player in the world's top 50 in that event. I am not. Oh, you're talking I, again about the European Masters. Yeah, yeah. I am not. Yeah, here we go again. Yeah, here we go. Brilliant. <laughs> I am not saying that win wasn't great, but it is not a PGA Tour win. There was one player inside the top 50 in the world in that event, just for context. But he still won it, which is amazing. 
with the pressure of trying to meet the Ryder with Cup the pressure team, of trying you to, want to meet throw the Ryder in Cup context team. Yeah, yeah. he has we've never really known anything like probably Sergio's probably the closest but we've never known anything like this a lot of people I know they will have watched him in the last couple of weeks but really to sit down for three days and watch this guy play golf will be the first time for a lot of people that's extremely rare in the Ryder Cup the only time that happened the last time where people are watching somebody they've never really watched is probably Brett Veteric (laughs) (laughs) poor bastard (laughs) sorry Brett but it's true uh, (laughs) sorry about that whatever happened to Brett Veteric good question very good question so I, I the boy's under huge pressure there's a lot of people that think that's going to be quite easy for him to swallow I would probably agree with that he's he seems like a very, very talented boy. He's got a lot on his shoulders, but he's got to. Is he got? To, I don't think he's got to answer critics, but he is going to be under the microscope. That boy. Okay. So I how agree. Ma- I so agree to a point. Now, so you've had your say. I've sat back quietly and I've just. Let well, you not say really it. quietly. You've butted in all the time, but carry on. <laughs> you say he's under pressure, and that's the bit that I completely disagree on. He has no pressure on him. The pressure. For Aberg, Oberg, Ubery to deliver is on Luke Donald. He'll be the one that's feeling the pressure because he picked him. He picked him over other players who are established. Oberg can go there and it's just a case of, you know what? You give it your best shot, son. You know how good you are. We know how good you are. Go out there and play your fucking lights out. If he comes away with no points, no one's going to be pointing the finger at him. They'll be pointing it at Luke Donald. If he comes away with Three, four, five points. Everyone will be sorry, saying, uh, what a great success. Sorry, I, I, thought the pl- I thought the question was, who's the player with the most to prove? Yeah, I didn't so realise it was, I'm, who's the captain that's under the most pressure? Sorry, I, so I misunderstood I'm, the this question. Is, this, is, this is how I am. See how point- he moves the goalposts? See how he butts in and won't just let me speak? <laughs> that is my point. Your answer is shit. Because he has not got much to prove at all. As far as I'm concerned, in my opinion, I don't think he's got anything to prove whatsoever. Luke Donald will be hoping that he proves Luke Donald right. So who's got the most to prove? Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, okay, you know what? I'll do it. I'll go. And you might be surprised at this. Rory McIlroy. Rory is the elder statesman of the team now, with the exception of Justin Rose, but Rory is the de facto leader of this team. That's his position. He's the guy that they're all going to look to. He's been there. He's done it. He's noised up the American crowds, he has shushed Patrick Reed in his face and he has lost matches. He hasn't actually got an amazing Ryder Cup record and the leader of your team needs to be a guy that you can back and trust to go and put points on the board. The last time we saw Rory McIlroy at a Ryder Cup, he was crying. He had just won a singles point, but he knew his contribution over the course that week was nowhere near is, is it, either his level or what is expected of a guy is, with his ability. So it's all on Because him. of Rory, is, we'll let you speak in a minute, Alex, but once we've got our little husband-wife argument over with... This is honestly, this is like when I'm having flashbacks to when my parents got divorced. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know why we're laughing at that. I don't feel really uh, awkward. I'm getting the camera. It's, right. it's a long time ago. Does what Rory's going through right now in the Ryder Cup remind you of as you're talking about leader, a lot to prove he's their best player, blah, blah, blah. Remind you of a certain Mr. Tiger Woods when he played in the in the a Ryder Cup bit, for America? I think the difference is that Rory has demonstrated that he cares and that lo- losing the Ryder Cup Ooh. and losing matches actually matters to him. 
Never saw Tiger give a toss if he didn't win a point. Nasty. So sorry, Alex. On you, you go, Alex. Got the most to prove. I'm going to be looking at Tyrrell Hatton and Matt Fitzpatrick here. I think Fitzpatrick. We've said before he was unfortunate that his only Ryder Cup experiences have been tournaments away from home, and we've been thrashed in both. But he's won three big tournaments, including the U.S. Open, since Whistling Straits. It's it's time for him to get his first point on the board. I think he's under pressure, and but Hatton for me is a complete mystery. Like I said about John Rahm, this is a player who had the temperament and the passion that we all thought this guy is going to be made for the Ryder Cup. Incredibly disappointing on debut in 2018. Uh, A Ryder Cup which Europe won comfortably. And he wasn't much better in 2021. He's 2-4-1 across those two Mm. Ryder Cups. 2.5 points from seven. One and a half from four last time out. Exactly, exactly. And I think we can all say that we expected more from a player of not only Tyrrell Hatton's ability, but his persona and the way he seems built for the Ryder Cup. Neither of those players, Fitzpatrick or Hatton, can hide behind being the new guy anymore. That is absolutely a bang on In a team that has as many rookies as it does, we need these guys to step up now. It's time to stop hiding. Hatton is one of the guys that's a very, very good point. Hatton's one of the guys that actually has to go and lead lead a pairing. Exactly that. That's it. There's a lot of rookies. I'm not against rookies, but there's a lot of rookies in there that you look at them and you think, oh, they've got a lot to do. Mm-hmm. And that you need a guy like Hatton to, to step up. That's why I, I look at our team, our team, and I do have a little bit of the fear. Mm-hmm. You look at that American side, it's very, very strong. They're winners. They've won big events. They've sat at the top of the rankings throughout the time. And I know we've always said, well, the Europeans have always been underdogs and we've seen that before. I do think it is slightly different this time. Mm-hmm. So I do have a bit of the fear. Okay. okay. On the point of Hatton, what I would say, maybe in his defence is the fact that I don't think Haddington knew how to use him. Yeah. A couple of years ago, he had three different partners for the cool. three pairings games that he played. So that that's not <laughs> ideal. But to, to pick up on your point there, Bryce, about you know the fear factor and all that sort of stuff, very simple question here. One word answer from you both, gents, if you will. Will we miss our livers, the Garcias, the Poulters, the, the Westwoods, the Caseys? Alex, yes or no? Mm, oh, no. Oh, I don't know. Price? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, American, very simple. No in terms of players. Absolutely yes, 100% in terms of future captains. I think that's a massive mistake. Okay, so you don't fancy Robert Carlson for the 2025 gig noted. Right, so listen, this has been a very, very long first half. I'm not going to make any apologies for it. I think it's it's the Ryder Cup that exceptions can be made. So before we throw to the break, Mr. Perry, the only man that I've ever met who loves a quiz more than I do, you've got something for us, right? Well, so what I thought I could do is just before we throw to the break is I've, I've just written down 10 questions. They're all largely just, you know, one word, two word answers. And I thought I could just ask you, I'll ask you the 10 questions in order. You can scribble down your answers. Maybe the listeners at home can scribble down their answers or hold them mentally. And then after the break, we'll come back and run through the answers quickly. That sounds fun, doesn't it? Yes. Is that a point? Yeah. No, (laughs) half a point. (laughs) Right, go for it, shoot. Question one. He was the first sponsor of the Ryder Cup and the tournament and trophy are named after him, but what was Samuel Ryder's day job? Got it. Oh, shit. Are we we and Bryce playing against each other here, by the way? Yes, write down your answers separately. 
Done. Ooh, I mean, have you listened to the last 10 minutes of the pod? Of course you're against each other. <laughs> Question two. In 1929, which Yorkshire golf course hosted the first Ryder Cup on this side of the Atlantic? Easy. Question three. In 1979, when Continental Europe joined the party, there were two European Continental European players in that year's team. Who were they? Question, whatever this is for. We all know Sergio Garcia is Europe's all-time top point scorer, but who holds that honour for the USA? Oh. You can have a bonus point for the exact amount of points as well. Okay, I think I've got it. Bryce is taking this so seriously, by the way. I'm totally you, failing you this. You said a word, is it? I was going to say, I want to see your history. If there's anything I don't want to see, Bryce, it's your history, but you better not be cheating. I I am really struggling. I can't even get the name of that course, and I can even picture it in my head, and I can't write it down. Brilliant. I think this is is five. This is five, three, four, five. Question five. In 1985, European captain Tony Jacklin introduced what significant change to the Ryder Cup? Steroids. It was sort of like I, I was gonna I was gonna extend that question by about two words, and I just thought no, that just gives it away straight away. Question six. Question the six. The US team were defeated on home soil for the first time in 1987, but where was that year's match held? Piece of Pess. Done. That was a really easy one. I think that was the first one I wrote down. I was started off with a couple of easy ones. Next question. Since 1979, three players have gone 5-0-0 in a single Ryder Cup. I want the name of two of them, please. I'll give you all three because I'm that kind of guy. And you can have a bonus point for all three. Shit. I suck at quizzes. (laughs) (laughs) Is that why you hate them? Because you're rubbish. Yeah, I'm going to do the quiz. I swear to God, it's going to be the hardest fucking quiz I've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) What is my birthday? (laughs) <laughs> what is Samuel Ryder's <laughs> shoe size? Spell Bosco Dictiosaur. Who was the That's last nice. centurion nice killed in this coliseum? <laughs> what, a guy over 100 years old? I've got one about the Suez Canal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so hold, hold on, two, there were three guys that finished 5-0. and oh. Yeah, so three three players since 79 have gone 5-0 and oh in a single Ryder Cup. I only need two of them. Easy, I, I wanted I, I wanted two of them because one of them is just really obvious. I, in fact, I think two of them are too easy. Right, next question. In what type of vehicle did Rory McIlroy turn up at Medina ahead of his Sunday singles match? You'll get that one, Bryce. That was black, I know that. We won't go into the reasons why. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh dirty. Oh. Number nine, let's go. Number nine, Justin Thomas, 2018, Thomas Peters, 2016, Patrick Reed, 2014, were the last three men to do what? At a, at a, at a Ryder Cup, obviously. And finally, because no one likes dead air. <laughs> Number what? 10. Number 10. What unfortunate Ryder Cup record is held by Mr. Bubba Watson? That's a great question. Got question two. You got it. <laughs> Knew it began with that letter. I'm, I'm now actually second guessing myself because I think I've got the right answer, but there's another one in there that's making me think, yeah. oh, Michael, I, well, I might not be I, I now think I might not have it. <laughs> that's dreadful. What does Samuel, what Samuel Ryder, Ryder do? 
Right, throw it to the break, Mr. Host, and we'll come back and do some answers. Yeah, let's do that. So, more to come, including a full analysis of the US Ryder Cup team and a little chat with Rich Beam thrown in for good measure. Do not go anywhere. All golfers can agree, hitting it far feels great. But does it feel great? A first in forging has created irons that have never felt better. Paradigm was precisely constructed with the first ever AI-designed forged 455 face cup and an all-new speed frame to enhance speed and feel, earning 15 out of 15 stars from the Golf Digest hot list. This is the new Paradigm in performance from Callaway. Welcome back, part two. (laughs) <laughs> part two of this week's Bunker podcast in association with Callaway, a Ryder Cup preview. And I'm sorry, I'm laughing because the quiz that we've been doing <laughs> over the course of the break and just before you, I wish to God you could see Bryce's face. Just <laughs> it's just frown line upon frown oh. line upon frown line. But you do this all the time. I suspect you'll have done better than you even reckon you've no, done. I'm going to so. get my own back. Before we come to the answers, let me remind you that we're going to be doing more podcasts all of next week. Alex and I, live from Rome, the commutes that you loved at the Masters, that you loved at the Open, they are back every single day. We're going to be giving you 20, 25 minutes worth of content to listen to in the car on your way to work or coming home from work or walking the dog or having a bath, whatever, I don't know. We're going to be giving you that every single day, so make sure you listen out for that. And if you want more content from us, and why wouldn't you, then make sure you sign up for our Ryder Cup daily newsletter. If you go to the Bunker website, bunker.co.uk, enter your details there where it says newsletter sign up, then you will be getting that stuff from us too. Right then, Mr. Quizmaster, the the quiz... The Chris Tarrant or Bradley Walsh of, of the Bunker podcast, mm. Alex Perry... Don't he, he didn't like either of those really that much. Well, Bradley Walsh is all right. He's a chippy character, isn't he? He's a good He's lad. Been, what happened to Chris Everyone Tarrant? loves him. He's a housewife's favourite. Yeah, and Chris Bunker podcast guest as well. What, hap- we what happened to Chris Tarrant? I think Chris Tarrant just got old. Right. Did he? Just just got old and dropped. I don't know. Like most. He was great on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, wasn't he? He was brilliant. He, he just made that same that, yeah. noise all the time as well. <laughs> <laughs> Constantly. <laughs> well done, audience. <laughs> <laughs> that was very good. Right, let's get this shit out of the way. <laughs> Quiz time. Answers. Let's go, Mr. Perry. Uh, you want an answer from Bryce and I, and then you'll tell us the right one? Is that how it goes? I might just throw to one of you each time. Okay, what happens. fine. He was the first sponsor of the Ryder Cup and the tournament trophy named after him. What was Samuel Ryder's day job, Michael? Seed merchant. Oh, he uh, was a seed merchant. You don't get many what? seed merchants these days, do you? No, not a lot. That's and what Dolby says. Certainly not enough to make a load of money from you it had to, to be, be an able to sponsor job. a global tournament. Yeah, exactly. I had Babe yeah. Station cameraman, but it's not going to be it. <laughs> <laughs> I had Distiller. Distiller's a good show. But Distiller. But wrong. Bollocks. If you, have, if you haven't got the answer, I do encourage comedy answers, indeed. Love it. In 1929... Which Yorkshire golf course hosted the first Ryder Cup on this side of the Atlantic, Bryce? I've got Moortown. Correct. Yeah! Now, I have that. I genuinely have that. I'll show you. There's my work. I don't care. Right there. But I started to second guess myself going, oh, Lindrick. I knew it began with an M. Very good. Well done, gents. Question three. Two continental Europeans that played in the 1979 Ryder Cup, Michael? Severiano Ballesteros. Correct. I am... I'm going to 
totally, totally guess here, and I've just changed my answer whilst I'm doing it. I think I had I had Jose Rivero, but I'm changing it right now to Garrido. Garrido is the correct answer. Yes! It was a good change. Yes! It was a sure, good change. You, show me your internet. There's no way you've got There you that. go. I don't want to see your internet. <laughs> that is a brilliant change of tactic. What did you have? I, I've got Seve and Langer, but I thought it can't be Langer because he was twelve. Not, uh, he would have been about nine years old. I knew it was a Spaniard, <laughs> but I just can't get it. Question four. Who holds the honour of being the USA's all-time points scorer, top point scorer? Who wants to come in on this one? Bryce, you're shaking your head. Give us your best guess. I've got... I, I'm, it's not the answer because he's not played enough. I did have Dustin Johnson down, but it's not... Because he's not, not played enough. Not, it's not a bad shout. I've, I've gone for a guy who's also got a honking record, but he's played so many. I just wonder if he's done it, and that's Phil Mickelson. See, I thought he actually thought Phil, Phil Mickelson... Phil is third oh, with balls. 21 points. So hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Oh, is, is okay. it... An old boy like Billy Casper or... No, is it... Is it Steve Stricker? I'm going to put you out of your misery. Michael's just said it. Billy Casper, 23.5 points. You can have a bonus point, <sighs> really? listeners, if you got the correct Shit. amount of points. You can't have a bonus point if you didn't say Billy Casper. I think we should make that clear. Let's take this seriously, okay? Right, question five. 1985, European captain Tony Jacklin introduced what significant change to the Ryder Cup? Bryce, what have you got for this? Steroids. <laughs> That's why we won. <laughs> There's Peter Baker walking onto the tee properly jacked. Just juicing <laughs> on the tee. I have absolutely no idea. I've gone captain's picks, but I think that's wrong. Captain's picks is as... I mean, I cannot prove either way on Bryce's answer, but I can prove that captain's picks were first introduced by Tony Jacklin in 1985. Well done. Yes! Question no six. way! Move on. <laughs> I genuinely had it in my head it was 89 I don't know why steroids would have been better this is a this is a super easy one US team defeated on home soil for the first time in 87 where was that match held go on Bryce I've got Muirfield Village Muirfield, Muirfield Village. Village yes Correct. in Ohio yes bonus point for the state so, no you, listeners you cannot have a bonus point for the state seven since 79 three players have gone five zero zero in a single Ryder Cup name two of them Bryce Molinari and <laughs> struggling. Molinari and Jack Nicholas. I don't know. Don't yeah, know. Molinari, Michael, you got all three. Molinari, Dustin Johnson last time out. Oh. And I think. Is that right? I think Larry Nelson in 79. Larry Nelson, 79. You can have a bonus point for getting all Get three. In. You can tell who writes the panel content in the magazine, <laughs> can't you? <laughs> Go get me a panel content. You can tell who doesn't sub it, Mr. Editor. Shut it. <laughs> in what type of vehicle did Rory McIlroy turn up to Medina in ahead of his Sunday singles match? Bryce? Police car. It was a police car for redacted reasons. <laughs> Question nine. Which we will not go into. <laughs> Question nine. Justin Thomas 2018, Thomas Peters 2016, Patrick Reed 2014 were the last three men to do what in the Ryder Cup? Top point score on their debut. Top point scorers on debut. Patrick Reed 301 in 14, Thomas Peters 410 in 16, Justin how Thomas 410 in 18. How the hell did you get that? Because I figured they all made their debuts that year, so it had to be something like that. And I knew that Justin Thomas did well in debut, and Reed did well in his debut. Next. 
Also, it's just knowledge. It's not a skill. It's not a trick, is it? (laughs) Knowledge. Very good. Question 10. What unfortunate Ryder Cup record is held by Bubba Watson? Any of you want to stab at this one? I can't wait to hear what Bryce has put. I've got nothing. I've got nothing. I've got blank space. Say something funny then. I can't. I can't. I'm too depressed. It's gone to part two. So I don't have a funny answer, but I've taken my best guess because I genuinely don't know. Is he the only player to have played in more than one match, but not won a full point? He is. You're sort of on the right tracks. He is the player who has had the most appearances without being on a winning team. He played four oh. times, 10, 12, 14, 18. He's lost never won. all of them. That That's hilarious. hilarious. Jim Furyk laughs in his connection. Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> so Bryce, how many points did you get? Who cares? Well, I do, because I want to know how much I battered you by. A lot. I think I got... <laughs> you got Moortown. I got three. <laughs> My nine beats your three. Sorry, I got... That is, that yeah, is a humping. Got, that's, a, that's a, a whistling straight humping. I get three and a half. What half have you given yourself? Seve and Langer. I don't remember there being half points on I'm offer. taking a half point for Seve. I mean, he's so far behind, I'm happy to concede yeah, that half fine. point, I think. Yeah, just you wait till my quiz. <laughs> Cannot wait. You bringing that next week, the, the Ryder Cup debrief? Not next week, because you'll be at the Ryder Cup. That's right, I will. Yeah, but the week after. Bring it on the stage, podcast live. Make a fool of me in public. I will. Oh, great. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you for that, Mr. Perry. Enjoyed that very much. I really did. Very welcome. We spoke about Team Europe in part one. Let's talk a little bit now about Team USA. And as I mentioned before the break, I'm throwing it to a chat I had. Again, Sunningdale Heath thanks our good friends at Sky Sports with Mr. Rich Beam. Rich Beam, welcome back to the Bunkered Podcast. You were the very first man ever on the Bunkered Podcast, so this is a nice little full circle moment for us, isn't it? Well, aren't I special? (laughs) I think you are. But for the purposes of the Ryder Cup, you're also American, I'm European. Should there be somebody between us? Like I said, no, no, we're fine. I mean, (laughs) I got no no issues with... uh, with people that aren't American. <laughs> Good to hear. <laughs> Let's talk Ryder Cup. Marco Simone, very exciting. You guys are going there as not only the, the people who have the trophy, but the circumstances <laughs> with which you won it in such emphatic fashion. Does that make you guys the favourites to do it again this time around? Um, probably. Uh, you know, I, I think that I think that having the cup, though, it, it kind of, you know, obviously puts a little bit of target on your back because obviously over here, the Europeans want it. It's, um, you know, it's on their home soil. And anytime you're, you're playing an away game, it, it's so much more difficult. You know, we haven't won the cup in 30 years, mm. um, you know, on foreign soil. So, yeah, I mean, I we're, we're probably favored, but it, it, you talk about a, a hard task. It's it's not going to be easy. It's it's certainly not going to look anything like it did at Whistling Straits, because the dynamic of both teams has changed uh, quite dramatically. I think that well, I don't think that I know the Europeans have gotten a lot stronger uh, than they were two years ago, and we actually might have um, I don't say gotten weaker, but I think we've lost uh, at least one key player, Dustin Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but again, it's uh, it's just going to be a little bit different dynamic. But I, I still think that we we are favored, and and I you know as I'm probably biased when I say this, but yeah, I think we're going to win. It's but it's going to be a, it's going to be a lot closer. You mentioned that it's been thirty years since the US won on European soil. Why is that? I mean, 
It's Why? hard playing over here. I think that what what you don't see or what folks don't see if they're not actually on the ground is it's you're not just trying to beat 12 people. You're trying to beat, you know, 40,000 mm-hmm. fans yeah. and then the 12 people you're playing against. Because let's face it, I mean, if, you, if you've if you walked anywhere near the inside of the ropes, you, you've heard some things that uh, are spewed that aren't the most gracious of things. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. I mean, it's 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 ugly and let's face it you're not used to hearing that you know you're certainly not going to hear it when you're playing on home soil Mm. and so um you know that's the one thing that i've learned this is my fourth Ryder cup that i've been a part of with sky and that's the one thing that that kind of doesn't sit well with me um you know when we're over in america i just and i hear the things that are said from the fans i'm like where did you grow up? Mm, you know, totally. you know, you kiss your mom with that mouth mm. because it's, it's not a golf event. It's a sporting event. And as we all know, you know, when it becomes a sport, that's when you get the different fans out there and that's where, where some of the stuff comes from. So, you know, it's a lot harder to win on a way soil when you're, when you hear all that stuff, because you're just not used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as a golfer, you know, it's obviously different for, you know, for footballers, both the U.S. and over here. So it's different, um, mm-hmm. I think. But as golfers, you probably hear it a lot more and it, and it affects you. Yeah, There's no it doubt it does. does. does the, is there anything in the fact that the, like, America, as it relates to sport, you tend not to play as the USA all that often. I mean, you have, you don't have that in the NFL, for example, or NBA or ice hockey. You've got your college teams, you've got your professional sports teams, but how often do you guys actually play as the USA outside of the Olympics, for example? I don't think we play quite a bit at all, but what we have learned, though, is that we've we've learned with these young guys to embrace it. Mm. I think that years gone by in the 90s, 2000, 2010s, it was, it was a reward, but it wasn't something that I think a lot of these guys embraced mm. on home soil. We probably embraced it, but it wasn't, I think, one of the, the competitions that you kind of looked at because we also had everything to lose when we had, you know, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson at the height of their powers and, and you know, a lot of other guys, you, it was, we were expected to win and it was like a zero sum game for us. I mean, like if we didn't go out there and win by a bunch, then what happened? And what happened was I think these guys just, they didn't have the passion for it like uh, like the Americans do now. I think mm-hmm. we saw that at Whistling Straits. And I think that we're going to see that going forward because you have a lot of uh, younger guys in the team room now that, that did play college golf, that were part of the team atmosphere. And I think they embrace that. Mm-hmm. I think they like that. And, they, and when they get to the Ryder Cup, they have a taste of that again. And I think that's why these guys love it. This is the first Ryder Cup, I think, since, in fact, probably 93, isn't it? Where there's been no Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson in at least some capacity, sure. be it playing or as a captain, vice-captain, whatever. How much of a hold does that leave? Or conversely, is it an opportunity? You realise Tiger's going to be there, right? Well, we're, yes. We're going to fly him in secretly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no one will notice. It's Tiger Woods. Nobody He'll blend into the crowd. I'll just slip in the side door. Um, yeah, it's different. I, I think that, you know, again, changing of the guard. I mean, but this is also going to be the first Ryder Cup uh, for the European side, you know, where you don't have Sergio Garcia mm-hmm. or a Poulter or a Westwood and, and, and players like that. So I, it had to change in some at some point. And this just kind of happens to be the year for, for both sides of it. 
And so I think it's just, it was going to happen anyways. It just kind of happened to, you know, come down to this year in 2023. And, you know, I, I think the Ryder Cup is in great hands with all these young guys on both sides. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at uh, Ludwig Aberg, uh, if you look at um, Hoygaard, Hovland, these young guys are going to be playing in these things for the next 20 years. Yeah. It's going to be awesome to watch. And kind of the same thing on the U.S. side. You know, we've got some youngish players. We've got some, you know, guys that are now in their 30s. and But they're going to instill, and these younger guys are going to make the Ryder Cup for years to come. Like, this is a big deal. Treat it as such. Your fellow PGA champion, Brooks Kepka, there's been an awful lot of talk about his inclusion as a pick. I mean, for me, it's a yeah. no-brainer pick. Sure. You know, the guy nearly qualified having played a fraction of the events yeah. that everyone else had. Where do you stand on that? Well, I, I think I'm, I'm with you. I, I think it's it, it's sadly the politics got involved, and, and I think we all understand why and where it came from. But at the end of the day, too, as we've gotten past that, I think that if you were born in continental Europe and you're good enough to play on the team, um, no matter where you play around the world, you can be on that team if mm-hmm. uh, if you either qualify or the captain picks you. Same thing with the U.S. You're born in the U.S. You qualify for the team or, or the captain picks you, which happens to Brooks. I mean, I don't think that anybody would have – I mean, I, I think Sergio Garcia should have been on Luke Donald's uh, radar if he wasn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know the facts about what the Europeans said, but I don't – from what I understand, I don't think he was allowed to pick anybody from yeah. Liv, but – I. I don't agree with that. I think that, listen, we want your best, you know, and I think that, you know, no matter what the circumstances are, come on, let's go. Now, if it's not a good fit, if, if you're, if the teammates don't want certain players, that's one thing, but you know what? I I just don't think there should be any, any holding back. And I don't think there's going to be any animosity towards Brooks. In fact, I think that everybody's going to welcome Mm -hmm. him. Absolutely. I mean, because, you know, he's PJ champion once again, you know, I mean, he lives in the same bubble as probably three quarters of the guys that are yeah. on the U.S. side anyways. They probably run each other at the at the grocery store. Well, no, wait, they don't go to grocery stores. <laughs> at, the, at the gas, no, they don't go to the gas stations either. They have somebody fill up their cars for them. But anyways. Uh, where at else? the gym, maybe. At the gym. Yeah, maybe. That's, yeah, that's it. That's it. Driving range, whatever. But, you know, they, they, they still probably run in the same circles. So, you know, it's not like there's any animosity toward them. They just, you know play somewhere else man listen we want our best we want you guys to have your best let's go and then there's no excuses and there's no excuses you know and and there's no saying well you know we we didn't have this player that player listen that's on you i I mean listen i I want this thing to be what it was meant to be the best versus the best irregardless of of where you hang your hat and play golf i mean i don't care if you're a club pro if luke donald thought that you're the best club pro in the world and you're going to go out there and take on uh, Patrick Cantlay and Xander Schofield, go get them. Yeah. But I mean, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, and and I think going forward, that's going to be um, the way it is. Now, there'll be some players that have something to say about that. And, you know, that's kind of on each other. But we've already kind of set the precedent where, listen, if you're if you're good enough to, to qualify for our team, no matter where you play, then uh, we want you. Absolutely. And finally, how difficult is it in the Ryder Cup particularly to separate being a fan from doing your job behind the mic is that you ever find yourself having to like sit in your hands or not get too excited or is that part of it is that encouraged that's part of it i i think that i don't know if it's encouraged (laughs) i'll ask jason well i don't know if it's encouraged but i think it's i think that's what makes the Ryder cup so fun for all of us because 
you know, we've already, you know, as commentators, we've already kind of thrown the banter towards yeah. each other. And I think that there is definitely a line where I wouldn't cross it, where I would get too boisterous or anything like that. Because I, I think that obviously we know the audience here in the UK and whatnot, mm-hmm. and I want to be as respectful as I possibly can be. But uh, listen, if, if America does something fantastic, you better believe I'm going to jump out of my seat a little <laughs> bit. But I, I think that's part of it. I mean, both sides of us want it to win so bad. But at the end of the day, we know it's just a, a competition. You know, it's it's bragging rights. Yeah. It's, it's let's have some fun with this. Let's uh, let's. Um, Let's talk all the smack that we want to, and at the end, of, and you know, come Sunday evening, let's sit around. I mean, I remember when we lost, when we got hammered in um, in France, and I still have the video on my phone. You know, I sat there off to the left. I mean, it was already over with. I was off air, but I made a video of me taking a little small swig out of a flask, and I was like really kind of depressed. But I'm like, you know what? But they won. It was fun. And then I went up to the, you know hung out with the folks from sky and we drank out of that same usa flask and <laughs> with american bourbon and uh we all cheers uh you know to how good they played in france but listen at the end of the day it's 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 probably one of the top three sporting events i can think of on the planet that you know every two years you're like man this is gonna be fun bring it on bring it on baby absolutely well respectfully I hope your team loses, and I'm sure you echo Well, that listen, I'm sure you would say that respectfully, <laughs> but, you know, it, I'm 15-13 USA, baby. Okay, we'll see. Rich Beam, thanks for All Marie. right, always. Huge thank you to Rich. Making his second Bunkered podcast appearance, he was the very first guest on the very first episode of the show, and he continues to be a great man. Rich... Quietly confident, I think it's fair to say, about the, the USA's chances. He, I think he's a fan of, of Zach Johnson as well. It's also fair to say. Alex, what do you make of Zach Johnson as the, the captain so far? And similar to the question about Donald in part one, what will he do and bring to that US side next week to give them the best chance of victory? Well, I actually pieced together a, a, an interview with <clears throat> Zach for the Ryder Cup preview issue of Bunkered. And when obviously going through his numbers and things, I was actually quite surprised at his Ryder Cup record. It is relatively good, nine points from 17. When you consider the fact that he played in five matches and four of them were losing, so he was playing in that era where uh, Europe has been dominating, basically. But we have obviously found out on numerous occasions that having a good, bad Ryder Cup record doesn't make you a good or bad captain. Mm. My big concern for Zach Johnson is that... (sighs) Obviously, piecing together this stuff, I've had to read a lot of stuff about him in the like. All I've read, I've been through every single press conference that he has done ahead of a tournament in 2023. My main concern is that I think he might just be a bit too close to the team in terms of his friendships with them, and we've seen that before at the Ryder Cup, haven't we? Darren Clark and Lee Westwood in 2016 is a is a a good example of that, and no doubt all of us in this pod and many listening will have had that in our own lives as well. How does he separate himself from, for example, being Brian Harmon's best mate or Justin Thomas's major championship roommate to being their leader? Because that is all he has talked about, it seems, in the last few months. All of his press conferences have just been, I'm such good mates with them. Justin Thomas, I mean, he all but said at the Open, Justin Thomas is going to be on the team. Don't worry, he's a good friend of mine. And then they are doing this data stuff, the Moneyball thing that Team Europe are doing, but it doesn't seem like Zach Johnson is taking it quite as seriously. I mean, if you go through his 
interviews in the last few months, he keeps making a joke of it. Go, I think he was calling, was he calling them the, the number nerds or something like that? He's like, and he would sort of chuckle as he said it. And I don't know, it just sort of has that feel about it. That he, I don't want to say he's not taking it seriously because that feels like too far. But I think I could say that if, it certainly feels for as an outsider that he's perhaps not taking it as seriously as Luke Donald is. And then, of course, we had that situation earlier this week with the Netflix cameras showing up at Keegan Bradley's house mm. to catch his reaction to not being picked. Did Zach Johnson know about that? And if so, that is... That's a really bad thing. Yeah, that was, was that a stitch up? That, that's the that's the big question that I think we all want to get the answer to. And I think Netflix will probably give us that next year. Bryce, would you agree with Alex about Zach Johnson in terms of the the seriousness with which he's approaching the job <coughs> oh, no, relative I, to Luke Donald? And to be fair, I don't. I, I, Alex is not saying he's maybe not taking it seriously, but it's the manner in which he's going about certain answers with the friendships with his players. He is very close to his team. That, to be honest, you can view that as a good thing and a bad thing because he knows them better than anyone else. But he's, he's got to have the ability to make tough decisions. He's going to mm. have to drop somebody. My thing is that, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, because Sam Torrance was an emotional captain and, and he showed his emotions the right way. You, know, you can also show your emotions the wrong way. Like He was nearly crying during the captain's picks mm. when he was talking about his wife. That's weird. I, I, I remember thinking, oh, that's a bit odd. Why is he? He's like literally holding back tears, talking about how it's a big thing for his wife and, and how much they enjoyed spending time with the Donalds and getting to know each other and you think, oh, that's a bit cheesy. And I'd say right now, he's going to cry during the opening ceremony when well, he's doing his speech. Without a shadow of a doubt. We're getting tears. But Steve mm-hmm. Stricker pretty much cried throughout his captaincy. I'm, I'm not sure he stopped blubbing yeah. and ended up on the, <laughs> the right side of a record win. So. Blubbing. So I do, there's, it's be interesting. Again, I'll call it when the Friday afternoon you'll get a much better mm. idea of how these captains are going on and how they're, how they're facing any problems that they have. Yeah. The thing about Zach Johnson, and this is, I, I'd actually know before I say it, it's massively unfair, but he's just not very cool, is he? I mean, the... the he's the, a the, massive dweeb. Yeah, wearing the beanie hats and the shades. <laughs> and then it's Massive the, dweeb. He's, he's the only guy who could win the Open, get the Claret jug, take it home, and instead of filling it up with, like, Jägermeister or a nice bottle of vodka or... Eden Milgen, even better. He puts corn <laughs> nice. in the cob in it and has a munch. I mean, nah, sorry. Not for me. I don't like that nonsense. But you've got to respect his record. The guy has won the Open on the old course. He has won the Masters. He is loved by the players. You would bite your hand off for his career. Of course you would. He, of course uh, you I would. agree. He's, he's kind of... He's calling uh, people numbers nerds and he's probably looking in the mirror when he's saying it. Yeah, I, I know. I know he's he said a few things. I remember when he won the Masters, he, he said some things that I thought were quite strange. You know, like he, he said, I'm not slagging off people who are religious at all, but I remember him saying, you know, I felt the power of God in the back nine. You know, he should just carry delighted with that. Yeah. He's like, I just gave you the numbers. You know, <laughs> I remember thinking, that's a kind of, you know, so he, he operates in a different yeah. world to the rest of us. He's, he is from a different culture, even in America. Yeah. I but was very different. Yeah, being but he's a, he is a very state. respectful guy, and I, I don't think he will court any type of controversy. However, I think he might stumble into some that's yeah. of his own doing that could backfire on him. Well, the Netflix thing already looks like it's if that's important of things to come. But how, I mean, how how is that on how is that on him? I mean, that that's what I don't get. So how yeah. have they what how have they worked out that 
I mean, that interview that, that Keegan Bradley did with, we should say, Barstool Sports. Yep, absolutely. The, the, the interview that he did, where he's basically saying that he was getting a warning that he was getting a phone call from the captain like 10 minutes before they knew the phone call was coming, the Netflix crew turned up at his door. So how did they know? How has that come out? Did the Netflix crew know the outcome of the phone call that he was about to receive? Mm. I also think that's the problem with Netflix. I mean, I'm actually very, very impressed that Netflix are doing what they're doing because some of the stuff they're going to be covering is bizarre. Mm -hmm. And I think kudos to the PGA Tour for allowing it to actually happen. But heartbreaking for Keegan Bradley. 100%. I, think I like Keegan Bradley. A, a lovely guy. He's He gets a bit of hard press over here in, in Europe for things that happened in the, the Medina Ryder Cup. See, if he'd been wearing the European colours, he'd be loved over this side of the Absolutely. pond. He, he's passionate. He, 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 gets, he gets the match. I think that as it relates to Netflix, there's a, a now a healthy level of scepticism about how they're doing their work. Because of, well, you, you might have seen the, the break point, the tennis equivalent of full swing that they do. It's, they've kind of been exposed in social media for staging reactions. So uh, a, a player, forgive me, I forget her name, but she lost in the final of the US Women's Open. There was an edited clip of her throwing a racket against the wall, behind the scenes footage, just walked off the court, raging, pacing up and down, furious. What's been clipped out of that little bit of film that's been doing the rounds on social media? The full unedited version where the Netflix crew follow her and they're there with the boom mics and the cameras capturing the reaction. I'm not saying it wasn't spontaneous. I'm not saying it wasn't authentic. I'm saying, why have you clipped that out? It's brought scepticism. And I think it's only right and justified and perfectly reasonable to think that they've been tipped to wink that a guy's about to get the worst news. And by the way, the guy that's probably going to have the most extreme reaction to that bad news. Which I think, go and, capture yeah. it. and see if that is true. I think that is really poor form. Disgraceful. Really poor form because why Why make a commercial success of some, watching somebody get horrendous bad news? Yeah, dreadful, isn't it? I think that's really poor. Well, let's hope that that's not the case. case. Yeah, if yeah. that is the case. But yeah, absolutely. Really poor. So let's talk about players then. Again, similar to Europe. Alex, the player that Europe should fear most on that American side, who is it and why? This is a really tough one because... We've already talked about it. The, the US team is ludicrously strong. I think just for the hell of, hell of it, I'm going to throw out a bit of an out there answer and just say Justin Thomas. I think we've spent the last however long just going, oh, he's playing so badly. He's going to get absolutely thumped when he comes over to Rome. He's probably going to come over, play five matches and to go home with five points. Because right? <laughs> we've just spent the last two months going, well, we can write it. We're basically playing against 11, 11 men because Justin Thomas just, is non-existent, shouldn't be there. It's an absolute outrage that Zach Johnson has picked him. So why would we feel like that about someone who A, has a wonderful Ryder Cup record and B, is obviously a wonderful player just going through a bit of form? But I mean, like I said, you can go through that. I'm, I'm looking at the team now. So am there I. Is not, there is not one person on that team that I go, oh yeah, that he'll be all right. Don't worry about him. <laughs> Rory's, Rory's got him soyed. Ron's got, like All of them could come could come away with two points as far as I'm yeah. concerned. It's, it's, it is terrifying, really, when you actually look at the names on the screen like that. Yeah. Interesting footnote on Justin Thomas. He finished fifth in the Fortinet Championship just last he week. Did. 15 under par. One of his best finishes for a very, very long time. Needed that. Sure did. Zach Johnson maybe needed it too. Bryce, the <laughs> American player that 
we should be fearing the most if you can it, nail it down it, to that's one. That's it. It's so hard to do. I mean, look at their team. It's just Burns, Cantley. Cantley's a cracking player. Mm. I mean, absolutely brilliant. And, and he'll be hard to play against. He'll also put the eternal reasons, into the yeah. eternal city. Wyndham Clark, you know, the comments he's made in the last couple of days have been pretty interesting. Guy's major champion. Really solid guy. Ricky Fowler. He's been there. He's been in that. It's nothing will phase him in that sense. He's playing the best golf of his life. Brian Harmon, probably an unknown quantity for some people in, in the Ryder Cup, but unbelievable talent. Open champion. Max Homa is probably the one guy in that side that you maybe think he's maybe, I, mean, I know I'm jumping the questions, he's maybe got a bit to prove. Bruce Kepka, nobody wants to play him. Morikawa, what a talent. Thomas makes a good point. Jordan Spieth, Ryder Cup history. Xander Schofley, Maybe doesn't stack up as a huge threat in that sense, but he's a you know, top 10 player in, in the world. Uh, the guy you don't want to play is Scottie Scheffler. He's a very different player to the uh, Ryder Cup, the last Ryder Cup he played in. You know, he's a Masters champion. He really should be picking up more wins. Mm -hmm. Scotty Scheffler, to me, should be hoovering up PGA Tour events. His consistency this year is outrageous. He is not the world's best putter, which disappoints me that he refuses to admit that. Yep, agree. He refuses to admit that he could do more to hold more putts. His, st his stats with the putter from certain distances is not great. You're, you're giving him nothing if you're Europe next week, yeah, are you? Yeah, absolutely. And the big thing, I'm going back on myself here, but the big thing with the Ryder Cup, it is often a putting contest. So... Scheffler, I know, is is probably not the guy you're looking to rely on. However, he does a lot considering he's not the world's best best putter. And there are there are certain parts of his stats where he's he's putting's fine. And if he gets hot, you don't want to play him. The amount the of guy pressure is, he's gonna put you under before uh, you even get to the green, he that will, is where he's gonna win He points. will give you Nothing. Yeah, exactly. You will never get an inkling of a little ray of light from Scotty Scheffler. You know when you're playing match play against someone and they just stick it down the line and then they stick it onto the green? It's hard to play yeah. against somebody like that. He will give you nothing. There will be no creek that you can jump in and take advantage of. He will be murdered to play against. Yeah, I can't disagree with that at all. It's Scotty Scheffler for me as well. The, the under-the-radar guy then, who who are we looking at there, Bryce? I, I, do, I don't think there's any doubt that it's Brian Harmon, and I'll fight anyone to argue, mm -hmm. honestly. <laughs> it, it, he, he is... It's almost forgotten that he's on the team sometimes, yeah, isn't it? He's a very, very solid player. I think he will relish sticking it to the European media, including us, who went against him for his guns and... His slaughter of hunt, innocent animals. Slaughter of innocent animals, which quite a few of them are into including some of the amateurs in the American say, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, but he is absolutely solid, 100%. Amazing on the greens. And as I just said, it's a, often a putting contest. You've been wanting him to have the putt to win the Ryder Cup. Brian Harmon's got a really, really solid attitude. He backs himself. Yeah. You need that fearless. at Ryder Cup. Yeah, you need that. Fearless, but it's always easy to be fearless in front of an animal and you're packing. <laughs> Yeah. That man has stared down bears. I don't think Nikolai Hoygaard is going to phase him much. <laughs> Alex, you agree? Brian Harmon, is he the man for you? 
Yeah, Bryce has stolen every single word out of my <laughs> mouth. I think also, I just would add on the Scotty Scheffler thing, obviously this guy is a, is a born winner, a terrifying prospect for the American team against the Europeans, but there is still that, and we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, there's still that certain element about him that he just perhaps lacks, I don't want to say star quality, that doesn't feel like the right thing, but he is obviously a phenomenal golfer. He is well, he's the best golfer in the world, according to the to the stats and the, the world rankings. But there is still something about him. And I, and I think that allows him Sheffler. to... Yeah, Sheffler, Sheffler, yeah, yeah. That allows him to slip under the radar somewhat because everyone is looking at the star that everyone's going, oh, how's Brooks Kepka going to do because he's playing for Liv? How's, you know, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, those two are going to play together. Ricky Fowler's back. And I, I think that just allows... Scheffler to just do his own little thing in the background and that's where he becomes like, almost like a ninja like a silent assassin or something really <laughs> a ninja yes. I'm struggling to imagine what that's like but there we have it which leaves us then with the player who's got the, the biggest point to prove and before you guys jump in with your answers I'm going to throw mine straight in there he's a pick he's returned to form this year well, I think it's well established that I like him and that I rate him and that I have high expectations from him. But Ricky Fowler has to justify that pick now from Zach Johnson. It felt like he was picked largely for what he brings to the team room. But that means absolutely diddly squat if you don't put points on the board. Like Ludwig? No, not like Ludwig. You're obsessing. Oh, sorry, have I ruined your point there? Sorry. No, you have not. Well, you've interrupted on. it. Sorry, Again. carry on, carry on. Let me complete a thought. He has played four Ryder Cups to date and has five and a half points from 15. One out of three on his debut, one and a half from five at Glen Eagles, two from three in Hazeltine and one from four in Paris. Ricky Fowler does not have much of a stout Ryder Cup record to fall back on and he needs to bring it this time. It's, it's all well and good being a cheerleader and geeing up the crowd and making everyone feel good. Isn't that the point of a vice captain? I demeaning. So, that's where I'm at. You're Ricky Fowler for me. You're so supposed to be a Ricky fan, you've just taught him a new one. I, I am a Ricky fan all day long, but he has to he has to now back up the other players who deserved a pick were overlooked, Keegan Bradley being one. I think Keegan Bradley offers who's more he gonna, on the course. Who's Ricky going to play with? Yeah, it's a good one, because there's a lot of obvious parents there, isn't there? Spieth and Thomas and... Spieth and Thomas will Cantley play together, and surely. Cantley and Schofield play together. You know what? You, you could very well play with somebody like Wyndham Clark. Ricky could play with pretty much anyone on that yeah. team, couldn't he? Sam Burns and Listen, Colin Morikawa. The team they've got is stacked. It is a pretty strong Ryder Cup team. I can't really see much real weakness in that side. Everything is good. But the question was, who's the player with the most to prove? You know, you could talk about Brian Harmon mm -hmm. over here. You know, he knows he, he knows he wasn't necessarily a popular winner with the greatest of respects to the RNA. There's not a lot of people watching that open back. It wasn't hugely exciting. That's got nothing to do with Brian Harmon. He gets to put the claret jug right next to that deer antler and some other dead <laughs> animals on his mantelpiece, which will no doubt be adorned with huge guns and ammo. He will have... He's a bow hunter. Yeah, he'll have guns as well. He will have a... <laughs> He will have a gun rack. He has oh use. God. He has the use of a gun rack. Um, <laughs> but I think that the player with the most to prove to me is is Homer. 
Really? Yeah. A rookie has got a lot yeah. to prove. Yeah. Not to us, but to the American. There's a huge American audience that actually don't rate him. If you go on social media, he gets quite a lot of abuse. Is that because of how much he puts himself out there? Possibly. But he's, major cha- he's played in quite a lot of major championships. His record is not, look, it's not tremendous. When it comes to big events, he hasn't really performed with a guy that he's quite a big name in the golf scene, but he hasn't really turned up in a lot of big, big moments. That's such a good point. One top 10 from 17 major appearances. And that was a tie for 10th. Yeah, this is a big moment. He's now got the stage to go and show people how good he is. So I, I, I think he's I think he's got a lot to prove to his doubters. I don't think he's got a lot to prove to me. I rate Maxwell. I think he's a great guy. Mm. I think he's a great player. But he isn't, you know, on the level of some of the European guys that, yep. you know, that have performed at that level. You know, Matt Fitzpatrick wipes the floor with him, to be quite honest. Yep. But Homer's still got a lot to prove to his doubters in, in America, in my opinion. So Homer for Bryce, Fowler for me. Alex, the, the player with the, the most to prove. Well, I had jotted down Fowler for all the reasons you laid out. I mean, let's not forget he finished below Keegan Bradley in the qualifying process. Uh, Max Homer's a good shout for a rookie as well. I'm going to go for a different rookie, actually, because because this had literally dropped this morning. Wyndham Clark. <laughs> I want to prove I'm better than Rory McIlroy at the Ryder Cup. I mean, it's a sensational Absolutely headline. Absolutely beautiful. Just so good, isn't it? But that is exactly who I want. He said, I would love to play Rory, have the utmost respect for him. He's the greatest ambassador on our game. He's obviously one of the best of all time. Blah, 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 blah. But and I'm going to go out there and beat him. <laughs> so, right, go on then, Wyndham. Go out there and beat Rory imagine McElroy. Zach Johnson waking up this morning in his vanilla house with a vanilla wallpaper and he's going to have his <laughs> porridge and sweet corn for breakfast. And then he looks at that and he goes, ah, oh, shit, shoot. So he doesn't say windows. shit, does he? He says, darn it. Darn. <laughs> Gosh darn it. Yeah, that is a mental quote. But that's what you're looking... You want that at the Ryder Cup. You want Needle. You yeah. want him to be playing against Love Rory. It. And to be honest, you want him to go out and stuff him just to make him look even more right. But hilarious. Absolutely brilliant. Wyndham Clark now has a target on his back next week. And Brian Harmon will probably shoot it. So... Take a joke right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh Very my good. god oh, oh, superb stuff it that's staying in I'd have uh, thought I'll edit that I won't that's brilliant as you said it's all about needle anyway look it's going to be great I cannot wait it's time then for us to make our predictions with a very special podder of merit somewhere Steve the ref's head is exploding going you're changing the rules again why except in his own accent I don't know what his accent is so podder of merit Ryder Cup special We're each going to pick a team. We're going to pick a top point scorer. We're going to choose the score line. Winning team gets you a point. Top point scorer, overall, not for the team, gets you a point. And the correct score line gets you three points. Bryce, you've got a huge advantage so far in Podder of Merit. You could really, really make some inroads here to get a a long overdue second win. So I think it's your honour. Crack on. The winning team for you, who's it going to be? USA. The scoreline? USA. I'm sorry to say this. USA <laughs> by three. Really? Mm-hmm. So that is, what, 15 and a half, 12 and a half. Okay. And the top point scorer? Brooks Kepka. 
Notice we've gone through the whole pod yeah. and not said his name. That, yeah. that, that, that's quite that revealing. Goes to show how good they are. Just look at their side. It's unreal. Yeah, it is. So, Alex, same question to you. The winning team. Before I tell you, a friend of mine texted me last night and went, I just got the Potter of Merit pun. Um, oh, my God. So... <laughs> <laughs> don't know how long he's been listening for. Could, could be could be one podcast, could be a hundred. I don't oh, know, but that, that did tickle me somewhat. Uh, I'm going to go Europe. John Rahm, fifteen thirteen, two points. Okay. Oh, I hate myself for doing this, but I'm going USA. Wait a minute. I knew oh. one of us had to cheerlead. Yeah, I've changed from my prediction in the magazine. Yeah, you said you said Europe in the magazine. I didn't know the picks. At didn't that know point. the picks then. Yeah, the, the picks. I'm sorry, they the changed picks make. Up. They yeah. do change it. They That's make a massive. huge difference. Yeah, and I actually think they should have. They, they, I do think they should have picked Bradley over Fowler. Um, I, I, I yeah, can, I, I know. Totally I look do. at that now, and I think they should mm-hmm. have picked Bradley over Fowler. Yeah, they went with squad harmony and you know good vibes. But yeah. how's about you win some points? Um, I still think they'll be fine. So yeah, I've changed my original prediction, which was Rude Hulett sitting on a shed. No, that's a that's a very niche one for you. If you get that. You're doing well. You not, can come down my house anytime. I'm not USA, USA, fifteen. Yeah, I'm with you, Alex, on the scoreline, fifteen thirteen. But for the USA and the top point scorer, probably because you'll play more matches than anyone else, and as we described, will wear everybody down. Scotty Sheffer. So we'll see how that all works out. Before we go, and again, apologies. This has been an extra long podcast, but it comes, but. 172 years so suck it up and thanks for listening honesty box to finish up bryce you brought this one to the table yes and i haven't written it down okay i'll put on my best bryce voice and i'll get it it. i'll get it there you go that's it right there's a brian Harmon gun to your head (laughs) (laughs) and you have to pick one of the following three okay which is a bit of a change to the Ryder cup you have to pick one or brian's going to pull the trigger Ouch. And mount your skull on his mantelpiece. And he doesn't miss. And he never misses. A. The Ryder Cup moves to a special brand new stadium course in Saudi Arabia. Which is, by the way, pull the trigger. Absolutely. Absolutely phenomenal, by the way, this course. Because everything the Saudis do is pretty when it comes to sports, pretty awesome. B. Teams are picked purely via wild cards, which is, would cause absolute chaos. <laughs> and pairings for the matches are randomly selected. Like a lucky dip. Basically, but the lottery. <laughs> like UEFA style Champions League picks. Not that yeah, because be they're random, that. aren't they? Yeah. With the warmed up balls in the balls. <laughs> so we've got that. Or C, the Ryder Cup is played on a Lynx course whenever it's in Europe. Oh. So just to clarify, this A, B, or C, this is for every single Ryder Cup going forward from now yes. on, whichever one we pick. Okay. You have to pick it. So I'll go back there again. A, Ryder Cup moves to a special brand new stadium course that's just hosted in Saudi Arabia. So that becomes mm-hmm. the home in no. Europe or is it, it every well, match? I mean in Europe. Okay. So, I mean, I'm talking stadium course where like every hole is like Scottsdale. Okay. <laughs> right. Bars, everything. In Saudi Arabia? It's like, Constant live. Well, yeah. Bars. Can, yeah, but it's, you turn it into a hotel and you're allowed to drink. <laughs> it's like Dubai. <laughs> it's like I've got to the, the pub in Dubai. No, you're not. You're going to the Marriott. 
Right. B, the teams are picked via wild cards and all pairings are randomly selected. Forevermore. Okay. Forevermore. Or the Ryder Cup is played purely on a Lynx course when it's in Europe. Hmm. Good question. I think if A wasn't Saudi Arabia, I think I would potentially be going for that. I'd certainly be thinking about it, but I'm wiping A off the table straight away. So it's between B and C for me. I think B could be quite fun for like one tournament, just see how it goes, but nobody would like it. So I'm probably going to take C. We've had plenty of Ryder Cups on some of the finest Lynx courses in in Great Britain and Ireland in the last few years, or in, in the entirety of the tournament, in fact, in Burkdale and Southport and Muirfield and Lytham. I think that's the the best of a, a horrible bunch of options, which is obviously the point of this question. So <laughs> yeah. I'll have a, oh, he's on to you. Nice. Have you should course, have seen please. D where they're all roided up. <laughs> <laughs> no drug testing. <laughs> You know what? I mean, C, I, I do kind of feel like C is the obvious answer because I, I feel like I've missed out on a big part of golf history by not seeing Ryder Cups at Muirfield and St Andrews and another one. Point. And that would have been just a lovely point. amazing to, to witness. Yeah. Then again, my dad never talks about that. So how much did I really miss? Not just that though. Not just like taking it to like Royal Troon or something. But what if, like, imagine you just got things right and, and Donald Trump did build a massive hotel mm. in Aberdeen and they held a Ryder Cup. Oh, that would be awesome. At that it, golf course. It would be awesome. But get the politics, that is a phenomenal golf course. Yeah. Can you imagine a Ryder Cup there? And you'd have to hold it in like the first week in October. It'd be Baltic. It'd be four mile an hour wins. Americans would be going about the world's worst waterproofs. <laughs> and it would be absolute chaos. And, and you'd I have think, to schedule it in the week that Aberdeen weren't playing in yeah, uh, Europe. So people matter, to, knock like, down shots, all that stuff. <laughs> It'd be hilarious. It, it could be brilliant. I mean, that's why I think C feels like the, the obvious answer. But I'm going to go for A. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm telling oh, you, that's God. the right answer. And I know that you're going to love my logic behind right, this. Go for it. Stadium course in Saudi Arabia. Who goes to every Ryder Cup? Which group of people that irk you? The, Sum up price. the Guardians. Imagine them landing dark. in Riyadh. Wearing their outfits and giving it, you know, here comes the Sepstraka or whatever it is that they're going to be singing. Nah, they they would struggle. Yeah, imagine imagine Scottsdale that hole. Imagine every single hole was like that. Amazing at the at the Ryder Cup. You would have to move from hole to hole to follow groups. We'll get that get to that at the end. <laughs> but you could up the up the spectator numbers. Yeah. Half a million people go to Scottsdale to watch that golf tournament. Half a million people. Why not just have the Ryder Cup at Scottsdale then? That's also a good point. But then you'd have to put this stadium. I'm thinking the Saudis have got so much money they could just build every hole's a stadium. Eighteen hole. versions of that seventeenth hole, basically. Yeah, or is it sixteen? Sorry, sixteen at Scottsdale, isn't it? They could build sixteen, eighteen yeah. versions of that hole. That would be so cool. That would be mind blowing. Scottsdale is still that's still one of the best weeks of the year because it's just a laugh and it's different. The Ryder Cup's meant to be different, so you could host it in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> that would be magic. On a serious point, that's where we're going though, isn't it? I mean, as as the Ryder Cup bidding process opens up, and I think we all know it goes to the person or country that puts up the most compelling 
Well, the World, Aye, Cu- the, most lucrative the World Cup is meant to be going to Saudi Arabia in 2035 or 2040. Two, 2034 it is. 2034, it's meant to be. There's rumours that it's going to go there. It tends to be what the Saudis want sports-wise they get. And Mohammed bin Salman saying earlier this week in Fox News that if sport continues to add to his GDP and he's got a target of adding gonna another 1.5%, he's going to keep doing it. Call it sports washing, whatever you want. Yeah. He doesn't who care. Who knows? Who knows what the... We're now going into the... I just said no politics. Never going into politics. <laughs> so who knows what the framework agreement, which they need to come up with a better term because it's shite, but the framework agreement, who knows what the little sub parts of that contract will be. Maybe in 20 years, can we get a little taste of Ryder Cup action? Can we get a bit of Players' Championship action? Yeah. Is there things that we can dip into? Could your Make tour, this worth our while. Could your Tour Championship be hosted yeah. somewhere? All these things, you never know. Poor Alex is hung up because we've just depressed him at <laughs> the thought of the Ryder Cup breaking with tradition. But why do we I get mean, a It's going to happen, isn't it? So the, the yeah. Open, I, I said this last week, the Open and the, it's only a matter of time before those tournaments end up in Saudi Arabia anyway. So we may as well just get used to the idea now and just accept it. So, but yeah, obviously the, the, the idea of a stadium course that, that you're describing is phenomenal and would be great fun. Just, just not there, please. <laughs> also... Teams being picked purely via wild cards and uh, Random randomly agency. selected pairings, which is effectively what uh, Nick Faldo did. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be brilliant. Because Faldo Spoonie just went, just throw the cards up in the air. <laughs> brilliant, wouldn't it? Like you're, you're standing there as the captains are announcing or not who the pairings are going to be. We know what will happen on Thursday at the opening ceremony. It'll be very grand and drawn out. And then it'll cut to Zach Johnson. say, Zach, Who's your first pairing? And he'll go, thanks. Thanks for asking me for that. And the answer is, and it's Jordan Smith and Justin Thomas. But imagine that it cut to Rod says, Stewart. Who's it going to be? And he's like, I've actually no idea. What, what's the computer say? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Get Rod Stewart. The <laughs> Pull the balls out of the hat. No. That's it. You just, I would, well, I'd never have picked them, but I'm stuck with it now. That would yeah. be quite funny. Amazing. The framework agreement sounds like a movie starring Sandra Bullock. <laughs> Yes! Why does that work? I don't know. It does work, though. Sandra Bullock stars in the Framework Agreement. Oh, I should probably win an Oscar for it as well. Opposite Sam Jackson, I reckon. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sam Jackson it is these days, eh? Pals, are oh. you? As in Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson, yeah. Right. Well, he's in every other Jackson movie, isn't he? Yeah. So, yeah. I'd watch that. Anyway, gentlemen, look, we are now past the two-hour mark for the first time ever on the podcast, and I don't care because I think it's been a lot of fun. All that remains to say is from us to you listening, enjoy every minute of Ryder Cup week. I'm sure you will. And to those of you that are irked by my pronunciation of the Ryder Cup, suck it up. I'm doing it right. Enjoy Rome. Thank you, Bryce. Enjoy Rome. Excellent. Alex, I'll see you at the hotel on Monday. You will, (laughs) unless I'm out looking for somewhere to eat sounds like a shit tinder date <laughs> i'll see you at the hotel on monday what's the italian beer again not peroni that's the rubbish stuff um beer amaretti amaretti i'll see you there for a couple morettis not a big moretti fan he's a wee bit dry dry mm. really yeah he's got a bit of a, like a funny taste i'm pretty much an espresso martini guy these days as we've oh, discussed for sake I'll be having those for breakfast. <laughs> With pepperoni pizza? You'll Why need not? them. 
<laughs> Brilliant, guys. Thank you very much. Look, enjoy every minute of it. I'm sure you will. Here's hoping. In fact, can I say it? Sod it. Yeah, I can. It's our podcast. We can do what we like, and we are not neutral. Come on, Europe. Give them a doing. We will be back with the first of the Ryder Cup commutes. Early part of next week, so Tuesday we arrive. I guess Wednesday. We might throw one in on Tuesday morning for you. We'll see how we got on in terms of flights and hotels and Moretti, etc. To Callaway, thank you very much for your continued support. To you for listening. We'll speak to you next from Rome. Until then, thanks for listening. Bye-bye for now.